Welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 51. John, how are you doing tonight, John? Woo! 3,000 listens, my man. That's how I'm doing. Um, yes, we did. I don't have much 3, more to say. How are you doing? Yeah, we got 3K, man. I'm Feeling good. Same way. I, I'm very happy to be broke the 3K. <laughs> Glad we're on the same page, just as always. But uh, yeah, that's funny. 3,000 listens, uh, which is way more than I ever expected when first starting off this podcast so thank you all you listeners out there that's another little well not a little milestone that's another big milestone we hit and uh i can't wait till we hit 5k because that will be another incredible number to see yeah um anyone who's ever started anything knows that's where you started i came on a couple uh episodes afterwards but even when it was you and i we were really down to just single digits and most of those single digits were us checking in on our stuff making sure everything sounded good so yeah we're fortunate we're very fortunate yes very very uh blessed to have all the listeners out there and just once again just want to say thank you all for the incredible milestone and uh here's to the next 3k listens and r.i.p wow we're all like over each other today this is one of those things okay so Wait, wait, yeah, we'll have to settle it here. So I just wanted to mention real quick, R.A.P. to Piss Joke Guy. He's the guy that we talk about off and on that would get involved in matches here and there. Um, he's a fellow fan. He went through some cancer stuff. I've dealt with that before. He fought as long as he could. So rest in peace, Mr. Jug. Yes, rest in peace. Uh, that was kind of crazy. Yeah, I think I was like just sending you last night, like, "Hey, did you hear about like what's happening in Piss Jug?" And then all of a sudden this morning, boom, uh, we see. I think it was Joey Janela or Matt, I think it was Matt Cardona actually. Who? Well, mm-hmm. that's how I found out both times was from Matt Cardona, which was um, a little odd, but uh, not. Well, I guess not odd considering the, all the fun back and forth they've had at uh, all the different venues in GCW. But yeah, very uh, kind of weird and seeing. Uh, seeing that because it was just so happened so quickly but yes rest in peace piss jug uh as fellow fans we're gonna try to try to do him proud with the podcast and uh keep it keep it going because he did add a lot of energy to the shows and stuff like the yes, we kind of talked about how like he was seemed to be trying too hard to be part of the show but he actually added a uh, very tremendous value to all these shows and getting the fans always hyped up and it seemed like every show he was at too was the crowd was insane and going crazy so uh he was a big part of that and it's going to be weird watching kind of a detroit show or chicago show not seeing him around well i was thinking in remembrance of him i think from here on out all of us should start pissing in gallon jugs <laughs> and bringing it to the shows what do you think i will i will go uh, a different route I'll, I'll, I'll bring the green tea i don't i don't feel uh, comfortable pissing a jug but uh no man it's like coca-cola you gotta do the real thing <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i don't think the piss jug thing would go very far in, in remembrance but you know maybe there's gonna be like a pin out there or a sticker that gets put out one day, you know, one of those cult things that GCW does. You never know. Yeah. I I, I saw someone like said they at the collective they should have one seat like like right just with just the piss jug itself. Like just have it in the seat. I'm like, hey, I'm going solo by myself. You could put that jug next to me if you guys want. <laughs> like like just so, so that way it's one a little extra space in for my arms and legs, but also in remembrance yep. of him because it that was his uh his gimmick, as they say in wrestling, and uh, he made it very fun. Like there's many times, especially the first time I ever saw it. Like, and they said it was piss. I'm like, is it really a piss jug? And then 
obviously seeing Justice right, and right. Manceborn and all them other drink, it got got to be a little uh, fun parts of those shows whenever he was around. So yes, rest in peace. Uh, I think his name was Mike. So rest in peace, Mike. Uh, Diet green tea. That's what I. That's what I thought. Yeah. I saw Joey said like, if it, if it wasn't one time, I think he said like, oh, there was one time I drank and it wasn't the pee. It was the diet green tea, and I had to spit that shit out like kind of thing. So, uh, uh. Yeah. But it was nice seeing like Cardona and Joey Janela and all them and Brett and obviously GCW on their Twitter even uh, made a post about that. So it was uh, that was kind of nice to see them uh, pay respects to Mike as well. And tonight we are covering GCW's Ransom from the Carousel Ballroom at the Showboat again following the incredible uh, Holy Smoke show. They had a big event to fill because that holy smoke show was incredible and i had Mm -hmm. very high hopes heading into this ransom card yeah it i'm just happy that we're back in the carousel room it always feels good to be there that was the first um room that i watched gcw on tv in and um the fans again were just really really engaging in this show not as engaging as the first night but i would say that they were definitely a big part of this show and again Fellow fans, it helps the show so much when you do that. Thank you so much when you do because a dead crowd sucks. Yeah. Uh, we uh we started the show with six men in the ring. Emil's in there. And um I'm looking forward to another satisfying scramble because that's what ends up opening up our show tonight. It was uh I I'll just go into it just for a second. GCW pretty much has perfected the art of the scramble at this point. And that's pretty much what I'm seeing. So I was really happy to see a scramble was going to uh, start the show. They're always exciting. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, it seemed to be most of the same people from the other scramble. I'm trying to pull it up real fast, but uh, yeah, we got Alec price was in there the same night. Um, what's his name? Romo. Romo. Yep. Romo. Uh, Loco possibly. You want me to ring off the names to you and you can look them up. Yeah, because I accidentally uh, hit it. Okay, okay, here we go. So, yeah, we got Gringo. Uh-huh. Alec Price. Yes. Romo. Yes. And then after that, we have... Do you have Lloyd or Yoya? Jimmy Lloyd. Yep, number uh-huh. four. And then Grim Reefer and Shane Mercer were at Holy Smoke. So the only okay, one so difference were three Gabriel out of six. Sky. Yeah. Two, uh, four out of six. So, yeah, the only new oh, ones geez. to this one was Gabriel Sky and Yoya. Oh, okay. Well, they decided <laughs> it was good enough to run it back. I'll take that. Oh yeah, I like I said that that first one was uh, super fun as well at Holy Smokes, and we're gonna go right into it. Or is there anything else? Yeah, brother. Talk. Hop it right in. Okay, first match yeah, of the evening, it. as we said, is the scramble, and yeah, I had high hopes of of course going into the scramble again because the other one was f- fun, but I really think, and I said last the last scramble too, I thought Alec Price definitely showed out. This one was absolutely uh, his his scramble because. He was just showing off all his signature moves. The crowd was fully behind him once again. And uh, I see Gabriel Sky back in there. That's one name that we don't see often in GCW. But I think every time I do see him, he's always memorable with me. Like he's always had like pretty decent matches. And Mm -hmm. I like his high flying uh, moveset as well. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of start off what was going on in this match. It really started with Gringo Loco and Alec Price chance. I was really happy to hear that again because I like both of these guys a lot. The first 30 seconds were each man trying to hit a maneuver on the others, and they failed each and every time. This happened about six times. It was a funny little spot. I 
funny thing my third note here gabriel sky looks good in this match it's really funny he's just one of those guys just <laughs> we're on that wavelength but honestly if we both come to the same opinion it's probably because he looks good in the goddamn match and that's just how it goes right yeah i've seen him a lot like also too on the vxs shows which is a lot of gcw talent as well and stuff and i've always kind of wondered because i think he does have like a pretty unique style to him like with the high flying, I think it fits perfectly in with all these scramble matches that GCW does. Okay, so there were a couple spots here I wanted to talk about. One of the spots here, Gringo hit, was a uh, beautiful cutter on Alec Price. There's another spot where Yoya hits a nice top rope jump onto Gringo Loco's shoulders and then spun it into a head scissors onto the floor. Romo then hit a spot where he hit a flipping tope head first into Price. Lloyd and sky which created these huge gcw chants of uh, maybe 30 seconds later gringo hit this awesome vader bomb i'm an absolutely huge vader fan you know me with hosses you knew i was going to be a vader fan so the minute i saw that move as simple as it looks today it's still really nice to see a throwback and same thing as i said the other day when it comes to like a classic move i love when it's done like perfectly he hit that vader bomb beautifully yeah, I was a huge fan of Vader uh, as well when I first saw him in WCW and then his little short run in WWE. I just, uh, the one match I always remember is just like the, it was right around March, right around now, the March Madness, they did like the final four. So they that's when I think they first started creating the fi- fatal four-way name back then. And I think it was against Stone Cold, mm-hmm. Undertaker, and I forgot who the fourth competitor was in that match, but I just always put Vader with WWE as the fatal four-way. And it's kind of funny that this was a scramble match instead of a, Six person scramble instead of four people in the fatal four way. So speaking of four at the four minute mark, each wrestler starts getting their own spotlight in the ring. Many power moves are being performed. Gringo was hitting a great looking tope um, from the top rope. It was like a Spanish fly on Alec Price. We had a spot where Romo hit a beautiful spinning springboard cutter. It eventually comes down to Price and Romo. Alec then hits a huge blockbuster into a surprise kick for the cover. That was our ending. Star winner in this match ended up being Alec Price for the three. Um, This match here was about seven and a half minutes long. So that's why the notes that I have here are a touch short. Two things. One, it was a shorter match, but also when it's a scramble, the moves are just flying. I couldn't possibly cover all the moves that were going on in the scramble. So yeah, seven and a half minutes. Alec Price came out with the win. Alec was also getting cheers and chants from the fans. People were pounding the mat after this match. And I'm really happy to see that. And that was my long-winded speech on this match. <laughs> well, too, also, like we said, we had four out of the six competitors. And so they did switch it up a little bit. Like you said, the beginning of this match, they all kind of missed their first moves, where in the other match, they all came out hot and super kicked each other and landed all their moves real early. So I did like how they did switch it up just to kind of keep it uh, as fresh as possible for running pretty much back-to-back days of scrambles with four of the six same competitors. But I did like how, as we said, Yoya and Gabriel Sky did add a little different wrinkle to this uh, scramble. I always want to, I want to see Yoya just get one big win, just like one big surprise win, kind of like Lightning Kid or One Two Three Kid back in the old right, WWE right. days. The quick little surprise victory over a pretty big name because I really enjoy a lot of the stuff that Yoya has been doing as of late, especially with Janai Kai and that tag team. They're, they're a fun little uh, package, but they also do like totally different from each other where Janai Kai is all striking and Yoya is the shooter weight with uh, doing all his 
classical amateur wrestling with the cool uh, technical uh, holds that he has as well. But Alec Price, then, go ahead, sorry, go. I, w- I was just going to say, um, go ahead with Alec Price. I was going to talk about Roma once you were done there. No, I just, like I said, that he has, like, we always say, like, the, the his signature moves. That last, like, two minutes of him just flying all over the ring, hitting the tope, hitting the, the buster killer, hitting the surprise kick, and going just nuts and flying all over the ring. Like, he jumps, like, three-fourths of the across the ring when he does mm-hmm. the, the flying, like, uh, not like neck breaker from the top rope. He goes so far over the ring. I think it's just incredible every time. And I just really like the, especially the ending of this scramble because Alec Price got to showcase his uh, uh, eccentric moveset. So he was, uh, he was in track and field when he was in high school. So that explains probably a little more why his giddy up is so damn much is just because he does that. And I think that's also why he has that kick, like that acid kick style kick that he has that's up so high is because he used to do hurdles. So I'm thinking maybe that's that's something to do with it is that. Um, and I only know that because he posted something on Twitter from high school. And he's like, hey, I used to do this and that's why I am who I am. And so that kind of makes sense that he's just fast as fuck because, well, he used to be in track and field. Yeah. And his legs, like I, the one thing I think it was the springy legs. Like I said, he jumps three fourths across the ring, hitting the uh the neck breaker every single time and it just seems to flow effort effortlessly around this ring where we talk about like sometimes it seems like jordan or the taller competitors when they go to like the 18 foot ring seems a little bit too small where it's kind of mm-hmm. hurting them because they can't get the momentum to speed up and really get explosive with a lot of the moves alec price still sometimes in this ring even feels like the ring rings just a little too small and i just can't imagine what he would do like on a wwe or aew 20 by 20 getting all that momentum how much he would really be flying all over the place as well yeah i've said the same thing about jordan also it's like those guys just can't hit their stride it's like you took an energetic puppy and you put him in too small of a cage and he just can't run like he needs to run so the puppy never gets up to full speed and i think that's what's really going on in this situation here too um i would say in this scramble though everyone got their shit in i say this every time but i've never complained about that if yo is in the match we're gonna see something awesome from yoya Jimmy's in the match. We're going to see something great from Jimmy. I love how they do that. I think Jimmy uh, Gringo Loco was probably ring general out there. And Alec Price really did get quite a spotlight in this one. So good for him. I hope that means, okay, all right. I, <laughs> I'm going into a different thought here for a second, but he popped in my head as someone who I'd like to see him challenge Jordan Oliver for the JCW title. They have similar body types. They have, you know, I think it would be a good thing for Alec also. Yeah, he was my original thought and pick that I think I that I really thought they would win because just of representing JCW and a young up and comer like that and a great tournament win would have been incredible for his career. But he's been on such a roll as of the last few months as well, putting on great like I think he had like a sixty minute match against I our I, he had an Iron Man match against like somebody. I thought that was pretty. I think it was Dustin Waller. Now I'm thinking about it. But he's had a lot of mm. great matches outside of GCW as well as inside. Where I want to see more of him in a one on one. I would like to see him kind of like how he used to had that match with Homicide. I would like to see him kind of go against uh, bigger names in GCW like Tony Deppin and even Gringo Loco. I think they would have a pretty fun match as well. I'm, I'm. I think you have a complete thought there. I can't actually add anything to it. I agree 100 percent on that. I, I just really I still think that probably is in his future. Maybe that belt was ultimately created for not for him, but for obviously as we talk about wrestlers like him. I just really think that he 
within a short amount of time will be holding that JCW title. Oh, I'm right there with you. I think it's, you know, sooner rather than later. I'd like to see him get another partner that's young and maybe they form a tag team of some sort. Uh, some sort. I haven't had a chance to really dream, but um, Blake Christian would be one and they're both equal heels. Alec Price really should have a face run at some point, but right now he's an overheel. Um, is there anybody else that comes off in your head that might be a good um, tag team partner for See, I would put him in the Jordan Oliver, Nick Wayne, because he's just young. I, I always kind of, I don't know why. I just want to see this guy tag team with everybody. Axton Ray. I think Axton Ray and Alec oh, Price yeah. would be a great tag team. Interesting. And Very you know, Axton Ray, he has a, he has an aggression to him when he does some of his moves. You can see he's got a little, little snap of anger in there if he wants to. Yeah. I think that would work well with Alec. And I think like Alec Price could be the, the shit talker, the shit stirrer to get, get, do all the promo talking and everything or Axton Ray just perfectly just coming out like a silent killer and just like, yeah, we're good, but I'll let him do all the talking. I'll do all my talking in the ring and kind of have a nice, like, I, I just really think their movesets, you combine some, like, Axon Ray and Shane Mercer had some incredible moves as a tag team. I think Axon Ray could do a lot of fun stuff with Alec Price as a tag partner as well. This is just flying out there, but Alec Price and the way he does things, his style would fit with the MDK gang really well. His shit talking and all that. That would work really well for him. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just kind of going off the cuff. I don't have anything written down, but once we start getting the, the, the juices flowing creatively, we start to really pop off with some good and bad stuff. So I know you said, uh, Alec Price, you'd rather see when the JCW belt sooner than later. I'm kind of like the opposite, right? I want to see Jordan kind of like have like 20 defenses of this title. I want to see him oh, wrestle against all these absolutely. defenses, but I do ultimately think the end game will be probably sooner than later for Alec Price for being the JCW title. Cause I think, uh, I think just a shot. All I want is just a shot. And here's why from a storyline purpose, the fans will then see he's a contender. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Cause I, I don't think I'll he's take had a any clean loss. No, not that I've known. Like even so a title I shot. think a clean loss would be good. Yeah. Cause he would, uh, even when he loses, we end up talking. Like I talked about the last scramble too. Cause I, he, I think he went off crazy in that last scramble. And I, I, as you said, even with the loss, I don't think it would really hurt him. If anything, it might elevate him with the loss over a bigger name. Uh, Jordan's not that much bigger of a name, but for the GCW crowd uh, and in his history, it's a little bit more of a bigger name. But I think they're both comparable with experience and movesets and however they're getting with the fans as well. I think that would be a ulti- like that would be a fun feud, like a couple weeks or shows to tell the story with those two. I think they would... Uh, be elevating the JCW title as well because those two are incredible young talents. And I I do think Alec Price is going to be a title. I would probably say within the next six months, but that might even be pushing it. I, that might be even be too late. I think it might be earlier. So like, I don't know if... Uh, go ahead. Go ahead no, I was just going to say, just to get Jordan, like maybe up working with some of the bigger names as well, like Speedball and stuff a little bit more yeah, often. Yeah. And kind of keep his momentum going, elevating up the card. And I think this would be a good spot for Alex to start his ascension up the ranks as well like how jordan used this belt well yeah and jordan's in that atmosphere now which is nice and he's a newcomer to the atmosphere but he's now there because he'd worked so hard to do it now um with alec yeah i think it would be nice to see him just get one shot at the jcw title partially because when i've watched jcw usually alec price is on there so this is one of those things where it just seems like when it's time to clock in 
he's there with his, you know, he's there with his work boots ready to go. So I could see where someone who's a regular like him should get a chance. We're really big on intergender off and on. Why not let Billy Starks get a chance? Billy's always showing up to the JCW shows. Not a problem. Hey, I got a good one. When his knee's right, Oliver versus big fucking Vin. Let's, you know what I mean? Let's let's give him a real opponent where he, even at his size, still has to use his agility and speed to work around someone. He needs a couple giants. He's He doesn't have a lot of opponents bigger than him, and that's just the indies. Yeah. But I look at it that way. Um, he needs to he needs to look up once or twice and look like the, you know, the David to the Goliath. Yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of stuff that they're still going to do with Jordan um, and the JCW title. I just... I, I've been, it's been fun seeing it, as we'll see later. They, he defended it against Blake Christian. I was like, oh shit! Like I was actually scared. I was like, this is gonna be a mm-hmm. quick title run because Blake freaking never loses. So he's on a roll lately. But I, like I was like kind of legit concerned as soon as I saw that match announced. I was like, no, don't end this already. But the yeah. end because it's right around the same time that he's going again or challenging with Nick Wayne to become the tag title. I don't. Unless they put a double title on him, which I think would be kind of cool. I just don't think maybe Jordan's going to be holding two titles, but I don't think, I think he's definitely earned it, but I just, based off of wrestling, how we kind of know, you might drop one title to win another. So um, hopefully they do let him kind of, but we always said though, like those two can work as singles and work as tag team. So I think whenever you're not going to have them defend the tag title, Jordan can defend the JCW title, or if they're going to defend the tag title, then the JCW title's not on the line, that card, but it's just, there still will always be a champion, and Jordan, well, whoever it is, if he was double champion, would still be there to defend both titles, and that just kind of adds a little bit more excitement to these cards, with a, a title being defended, at least, um, on every show. And um, going back to that scramble title, I have to say, there certainly seems to be the same round of names always in scramble matches doesn't hurt to put a title down there i know gringo local take it yeah but i'm just saying and it's funny too <laughs> you called alex price like a regular now where i remember when when we were first starting and talking like we were kind of like oh i hope they do bring alex on as a regular he's earned it yeah. he's earned it now a couple months later boom he's there traveling all over with gcw and i'm i'm excited to see it too because i think he adds a lot of excitement um to these scrambles, but also with his attitude and his moveset just in general to all these matches. I think he had something different and unique um, to GCW shows. Mm. He's garbage. <laughs> I, I, I finally now just got the whole thing like, oh, one more time because he's trash. But I'm like, I remember the first time I said like, what did he say one more time? Because he's what? I didn't understand it. Then yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, trash, garbage. I like it. I do like the whole, <laughs> the whole shtick he does. That will lead us into our second matchup of the evening. And it was supposed to be Speedball Mike Bailey going against Drew Parker. But as uh, I mentioned on the last podcast, Drew Parker did get injured during his final death match on U.S. soil with John Wayne Murdoch. And unfortunately had to back out of this match. But I think it was a really cool thing to have his replacement be Shane Mercer because I kind of always talk about I think Shane Mercer would be a good fit with Alec Price or a lot of these other uh, people for a tag tag team because of his unique moveset and strength and agility as well. I, uh, having him on a one-on-one match against Speedball was a big step up for him and I definitely think he stepped up. There were little parts you could see he wanted to try some new stuff but uh, didn't fully practice it enough or maybe was uncomfortable performing it but Speedball... Uh, 
did help out Shane Mercer a lot to hide a lot of those, not a lot, but hide some of those moves that he was uh, trying out with the But I just really like that Shane Mercer would even try something different and unique in this showcase match with Speedball. And I, uh, I enjoy this match a little bit more than I thought, but ultimately I'm very disappointed still. Hopefully Drew Parker will come back and we could see this happen uh, sometime down the line in GCW ring. Yeah, you know, I'm happy to see Speedball. And with Mercer, it never, you never, it never hurts to try anything new, just not on TV. So, uh, you know, Shane did step up for Drew Parker. So thank you, Shane, for doing that. Speedball comes out the chance. Fans like uh, using him, his like martial arts background. They like getting their hand kicked and punched by Mike. I did it. He hurts. I'm not doing that ever again. Like I said, I got to wait for the camera <laughs> to walk by me to go check my finger. Make sure he didn't just re-break you for the third time because, yeah, he kicked oh the gosh. shit right out of it. So, so the other thing I want to give big props to was the speedball came out with like a scorpion inspired outfit from like Mortal Kombat. So if you could look at it, you could see like it had the yellow and the yellow was in the proper spots where scorpion had his his gear at so um shane is already taking votes from the crowd as to where to launch bailey later i love that spot it's cocky it's fun it gets the crowd cheering and it's presumptive it's a cocky egotistical presumptive way of doing things and it works and you know he's going to throw him somewhere <laughs> or his intention oh, yeah. and goal oh, yeah. is absolutely to throw him somewhere I, I do like that how he is lately now just starting off the match like yeah, you want him over here? Uh, oh, okay, uh -huh, not uh -huh. loud enough. You want him over here? Just an old school kind of, uh, as you said, instead of Hulk Hogan with the ears to see who's the loudest, he's like getting the loudest of where he's going to chuck his opponent. And I'm all for that because it's, as you said, cocky, but I do ultimately expect Shane Mercer to do it at least once a match. Oh, could you imagine like Bam Bam Bigelow doing that? Walks <laughs> around the ring on all four corners. Like, you want me to throw that son of a bitch over there? <laughs> right. Well, imagine Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant goes over the side of the rope and he leans over. He's like, you want to go over here? Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. That'd be so fun. Okay, so back to the action here. Our first two minutes, both men were using classic wrestling moves and holds. Shane was solidifying his strength persona and Bailey was showing his speed and agility. Shane has a hold of Bailey's arm at one point. It was like for almost a minute, Bailey could not escape from it, and Shane was not letting go. I thought it was a cool little spot. Minute three, it was an early match slugfest back and forth. Usually those reserved for further in the match when it looks like, you know, these guys still have a lot in the tank and back and forth. It happened early in the match. It was really interesting. I was assuming Mercer was healed, but Bailey was starting to get the booze. Bailey has been getting a lot more booze recently, and I think that's kind of how he likes being booked, maybe. Have you noticed that he's been a little more aggressive and just a lot more, I don't know, a lot more fun? I think he's enjoying it, though. Yeah, and I just wonder if maybe that's for, I don't have a watch Impact in the last couple of weeks, but I wonder if that's maybe where they're heading on Impact, or maybe he's testing it out now and how to uh, be a better heel. Maybe he's practicing it and trying it out in GCW, because I know he's got that I think they're going to do some kind of what GCW did with Gresham and Bailey and Gresham are going to have a nice little, like a little, I think it's best out of seven, I think, or maybe, I don't know, but they did announce like either best out of three or best out of seven that they're going to have mm -hmm. a bunch of matches. But I wonder if that's what maybe he's trying to do. Cause I like him as a heel as well. He just has that like, Hey, I'm still, I'm so much better than you that like, I don't respect your power. Like in this match, I just felt like he didn't respect Shane Mercer as an opponent or his power or any of this stuff. But once Mercer got him down and held the arm, like I really liked how that played into Mercer showing that he had the strength advantage over speedball. But I was thinking the same thing too. I thought going into this match, Mercer would be the heel and speedball be the face. But 
as you said, it kind of started twisting a little different. I think that's also based off the fans as well. They kind of know this was a big match for Shane Mercer. It's a big, I think it's his one of his biggest matches he's had, uh, especially lately in GCW in a singles um, capacity. And I do enjoy a heel speedball, though. Ultimately, I do enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, I think you're right here. The fans dictated the heel face thing because it, it kind of went all over the place for a while and it really was up in the air. So I don't know if those two went out there with a certain heel face situation in mind, or if they said, fuck it, let's just wrestle and let the fans figure it out for themselves, which is possible because again, the lines were kind of blurred there for the first four or five minutes, which is a good chunk of match. Usually that's half a match in GCW. So minute four, there was a nice military press by Shane Mercer that he holds Bailey up for quite a while. It's really cool to see. I love watching him. Bailey spends the next few minutes working Mercer's knees and legs. That was basically how he was going to be chopping down Mercer in this match. I liked Bailey mocking the ref by counting with him while being asked to break a leg lock. That that's so cool right there. Smart ass. Uh, what's the best way to put it? Smartass Mike Bailey works really well because that's completely opposite of the guy that you talk to when you meet him. And I think that's why it works. And I think so. he's going a lot of the Blake Christian route as well. Like just the cockiness of, do you not know like what I've, what kind of matches I've been putting on over this year and a half? You think you're going to step in the ring with me and kind of mm-hmm. be able to do those kind of five-star matches with me? Like then you're going to have to prove yourself. And I do like how, both of them are just being so talented where they're using that to their advantage to play a super cocky heel that's working for both competitors, I think. Oh, hell yeah. And um, there's a spot here where Mercer got caught on his shoulder, unknown as to how and why. I just wanted to mention it in case someone sees blood. There wasn't a spot that I saw that was major. There was no chair shot, anything like that. Ten minutes in and we're back to a slugfest back and forth. Bailey stays on Mercer's leg and continues to stay on that leg throughout the rest of the match. Mercer with a nice pop-up power slam. A moment later, he hits a moonsault and battery. Mercer immediately starts to hold his knee. Everything that Speedball was working on started to finally add up towards the end of this match. Well, then, towards the end, there was a super kick from Speedball a minute later into an Ultimo weapon, and that ended up being our ending. Our winner here was Speedball Mike Bailey with a little under 15 minutes. It was a good, uh, good length match, and I was really, really happy with it. It was a good seeing a 15-minute Mercer match. And it was, you know, like solid and everything was different. Yeah. And I, like I said, I thought this was a great step up. I did. I definitely think Mercer earned every, the, this opportunity. And I, I definitely think he knocked it out of the ballpark. And um, I was just wondering what was going on in Mike Bailey's head as he was taking that moonsault and battery. He's like, I wonder if he had flashbacks to the cage <laughs> or he feels like, Oh, I feel comfortable in your arm, Shane. Like, Oh, this is how it should feel when I'm about to take this kind of move <laughs> from a top rope. <laughs> because I've always, yeah. I've, I've never seen Shane even kind of get close to missing it. He'd always, even some of these lighter competitors, he sometimes over rotates on his back mm-hmm. lip when he does it. So, um, it was funny watching the, <laughs> uh, Bailey's face as he was being held by Mercer. I, I enjoyed this too. Like I said, it wasn't speedball versus Parker. I, dying for that match one day but this is another matchup we'd never seen before and i'm glad that mm-hmm. shane mercer did an excellent job in speedball playing the heel i'm starting to like it and we'll see a little bit more of it here in these next couple shows that we cover as well so the one thing i mentioned about earlier i just wanted to talk about for a minute fans are really mixed on how to handle speedball's character right now they don't know if he's healer face because he switches back and forth quite a bit either way i notice he always gets respect 
there are always cheers and whatnot when he leaves. There's really no heavy booze unless he's trying to get heavy booze. And then on Mercer's side, he showed more wrestling tonight. It's good. It's necessary for the development of his character. It looks good to the fans. I think that Mike pulled Shane's abilities out of him tonight, and it really did work well. Speaking of uh, Mercer's character, I just now noticed, and maybe this, maybe he's had these uh, these shin pads for a while, but like I just noticed on this one shin pad, it goes yeet, <laughs> like where he's gonna yeet the opponent. Like I just, <laughs> literally, as you said that, I just noticed that too. So I was like, ah, I like that because he uh, unfortunately didn't yeet speedball this night, but I think we do have a uh, someone getting yeeted in Shane Mercer's near future. Yeah, he's found his gimmick. His gimmick is yeeting motherfuckers across the arena. I now just like even like because we're I always watching when we're going back. I think Mike Bailey is ultimately always better off as a heel because I think it gets the crowd more behind who he's going against and with his mm-hmm. moveset and everything. I think it lends perfectly to a heel like he's working body parts. Yes, he has that high the fast pace stuff, but I noticed when he is working heel, he does slow it down a lot. And I think that's perfect. Obviously, when he wants to work heel, he doesn't want to get the crowd behind him too much with his incredible move set, but. I I really like him as a heel because like now Mercer like maybe Mercer just did a really good job too during this match of making Speedball look a lot tougher than uh probably what I originally thought looking at it, a matchup with Mercer but I think Speedball as a heel could do a lot of fun stuff because he also wrestled a lot of these matches as faces and I think he's gone through a lot of the roster since he's been here for a while where now would be a fun time to see him go against more typical baby faces and stuff like that. So I wondered if you maybe tapped into a secret there where Bailey maybe plays heel when he's up against larger opponents. That allows breathing time. That allows time for him to make his faces. Also, he, I don't know which one's better. He's such an effective heel. I, I'm fighting against the feel-good Mike Bailey when he wins uh, up against this heel that I really love to hate. I don't know. I'm split, man. Is he a better heel or face? What do you think? I ultimately think the same way, but I think now seeing him as a heel, especially lately, I've been enjoying it a little bit more because maybe it's just because I'm enjoying it more because it's a little bit different pace, different style matchups than what he's always done. Because like I said, when he first came back to GCW, it was a thousand percent go, 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 and had incredible matches where now he's slowing it down, but still having incredible matches as a heel because he's slowing the pace down and still being able to do the fun stuff that pops the crowd while getting the crowd to boo him for doing that. As you said, to this bigger competitor, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm right there on the fence with, it. I fight back and forth in the, in the moment right now, I like him better as a heel. You ask me next podcast though, I might say face again. Who knows? Yeah, it depends on the next match, right? Right, exactly. I mean, it could be amazing. You're like, ah, yeah, he's a great face. <laughs> I, I'm right there. Like, it's it's fifty fifty, but I lately have been enjoying this the heel speedball. And I totally forgot the move that like Mercer had him in that suplex and went to go flip him into like a kind of like a suplex bomb, but Bailey like, mm-hmm. flipped out of it, landed on his feet, which was pretty incredible as well. I totally forgot about that. I wrote something about that spot in my notes, but I couldn't understand my notes. But I just thought <laughs> so. I was like, oh, that reminded me, but. Yeah, fun match. Great. Like I said, didn't expect this match going into the night, but I definitely think it delivered and uh, it was a fun impromptu match. And we'd like to see Mercer kind of get a little bit of a singles run as well, uh, going against some bigger name opponents. And with deathmatch season hopefully coming up here soon, maybe we'll see more deathmatch uh, Mercer as well. 
That will lead us into our third matchup of the evening as it is a GCW tag team title match as Los Macisos are defending the belts against the Motor City Machine Guns of Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. And I was really looking forward to this match and they delivered. I actually thought... It was kind of cut short. That's one thing. My only negative yep. I had to say about that is I really wish this kind of went a little bit longer because I know Los Macisos could have could have done a lot more fun stuff with the machine guns. And I don't know when they're ever possibly going to have this match again. So I just wanted to see a little bit more of Macisos and machine guns going back and forth. But this was a fun match. The crowd was really behind the Motor City machine guns. I was a uh, not shocked about it, but I thought they would give a little bit more love to Los Macisos, but that just shows you what the legends, or what kind of legends the Motor City Machine Guns really are in independent wrestling. Oh, 100%. Okay, so I was sweating this match, too. If there was going to be a team that could really, really challenge for these belts, it was going to be these two. You can't get a better veteran team that's still so physically active and capable of doing everything that they did 20 years ago. The Motor City Machine Guns are not too far behind from where they were in the old Impact days. I love the old DNA Impact MCMG. Like, they were just so, so cool. I remember when that thing started. Yeah. That's how long it's been. So I'm happy to see them out there. I'm happy to see them not looking like old geezers. That's another thing sometimes when you see, you know, they've been in it 20, 30, 40 years. They start to really show their age. Shelly and Saban really don't show their age. They look Lucky the same, them. yeah. Maybe it's good, clean living up in Michigan. I don't know. But, you know, fuck Michigan. I'm from Ohio. So, you know, we don't live too clean down there. So, <laughs> fuck Michigan anyway. Okay, okay, okay. So, <clears throat> I'll tell a little story here. The Motor City Machine Guns come out to some very, very happy fans. Shelly and Saban both have their war faces on tonight. That was one of the first things I noticed was they were they had they were ready for war. They were taking their job seriously that night. Elmore runs through a laundry list of accolades for Motor City. That was fun to hear. I always love when they do that because it just seems like the match is that much more important when you hear that the guy in the ring has rang off, I don't know, eight to 12 championship runs. So I loved also that Emil bangs out that Spanish announcing. He always does so damn well. And of course, now at this point, Los Macisos for fucking life over here on John Wolf's side. They're solidified in my head as a tag team who is pure quality. I know I'm not going to speak for both of us, but I know you're close too, dude. Los Macisos are a group of badasses. Yes. Uh, like I said, I really love them as a tag team, but I want, I really like them as singles competitors too, especially in the deathmatch scene. Um, I just thinking about it now, I kind of, this title run is a, has, has been pretty historic they he they wrestled against the top teams and gcw has to offer sgc um the briscoes at the time all this the f team bussy um i forgot who the other oh john wayne murdoch and alex cologne they've gone through the gcw tag teams they've also fought the future of of uh tag team wrestling and the main event and all the other local talents that they've wrestled against and defended the tag team titles against rock nest monsters and all those and then now they've also have the last couple episodes wrestled the past of tag team wrestling and in the sat and motor city machine guns so i think it's very their title run just thinking back about it seeing it go from the 
best of the past, best of the future, and the best of now. I think it's been incredible to watch, and that's why I was kind of leaning at this around this time anyway. I didn't want them to lose it. Uh, I really wanted them to uh, the bowl two times against Alex or Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. I thought those were the two nights to win it uh, for those two, but I. Uh, was scared, as you said, going to this match. I think if there's one team that they would probably lose it to would be the Motor City Machine Guns. And especially as Chris Saban and Alex Shelley looked just as good as you said, just like how they did at Impact. And I'm just glad to see Los Mercisos have this kind of tag title run that they've had because I didn't think they had it in them to do that kind of quality uh, tag team wrestling with the future, the present, and the now of, rest of GCW. So this has been a fun tag run uh, just in general. Okay, so... Um, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say that I'm going to hold some of my comments till the end after this match, because if you look down further in my notes, I have a couple numbers on Los Macisos that are, that are, we're talking about here later. Um, so as this match goes on, we started to hear Motor City chants, Los Macisos chants. The crowd was split back and forth. Like B was saying, we had mostly Motor City chants going on. If anything, we had chance for new champs. Fuck that new champs. Fuck that with the crowd. So, I mean, everything was really spit, really split. Wow. Match goes directly outside. It's a brawl. There are no tag rules followed as of yet. Ciclope ran Shelly into a wall, and I think it cracked the wall open just a touch. There's split screen before minute one is even done. Minute two is Los Macisos double teaming Saban and then eventually getting to Shelly. The machine guns eventually take over at minute four. We had Motor City and Los Macisos chants back and forth throughout the crowd at that point. I believe Motor City machine guns were booked as heels in this match. There's a nice spot where Miedo had Shelly in a surfboard. Saban comes in from underneath and tries to pin Miedo while he's on his back with Shelly still in the air. I believe that was the first time I've ever seen someone try to pin someone while executing a, a, a surfboard. Have you seen anything like that before? Nope. I've seen like the splashes yeah. and stuff on the surfboard, but not, not a, like a pin attempt. That was pretty incredible uh, or pretty unique watching. Yeah. And here we are again. We're like at minute seven. GCW chants are coming from the crowd. Uh, doors are being introduced by Miedo at that point. He's pulling them out from underneath the uh, ring. Motor City Machine Guns are pulling out all of their patented team offensive moves, one after another after another. Miedo gets thrown into a door in the corner of the ring, and Motor City Machine Guns wrap up Ciclope for a very quick win. I literally put, what? Because everyone was in shock for multiple reasons. And the first one I'm going to mention is only eight minutes? Yep. This is so unlike GCW that I have to trust that something may be wrong with one of them or one of them maybe has an emergency with the family or whatnot, and they have to wrap it up and leave fairly soon because I'm very confused as to why so quickly. That's my only opinion on it because honestly, I have no problem handing it over to the Motor City, Motor City Machine Guns. Again, I, both li I like both of those guys a lot. I think they're wonderful people. My only thing is, is these guys should have lost this in a 20 minute banger, 25 minute banger where where Los Macisos at least puts up a fight. So that's my only complaint. And I have to remember that these matches aren't made for me. These matches are made for everyone. So judging it for what it is, 
I'm just judging it as a quicker affair and I'm only complaining because it was so good. I just wish I had more of it. Yep. I'm right there with you. I have zero problem of the Motor City, Mach- Motor City Machine Guns winning. Um, like I said, hopefully now, maybe now this is uh, what sets Miedo and Ciclope into their singles kind of runs. I would like to see them kind of go to completely separate ways and maybe meet up at a tournament or something like that. But um yeah this was a seemed super quick and i don't like i don't i don't know like i i have no idea why it was short i thought maybe it was just that maybe that, that's how much time they gave them for this match but for it to be a title changing match I, I had the same thing like i was pretty shocked it was pretty short but um i do kind of like where it is set up it kind of sets up as was announced uh right uh pretty much right away after this match anyway was that the Motor City Machine Guns' first title defense of the GCW Tag Titles will be at the Collective at Joey Janela's Spring Break against the East-West Express. So I was excited for that. Like it was, a, seems like a lot of stuff now that I'm watching in independent wrestling is like bittersweet. It's like, yay, we get to see them grow, but then oh no, now they've kind of outgrown the ind- independence, and now they're going off into higher places, and we won't get to see them as much in an intimate setting as we do in independent wrestling and. For this sake, I was like super kind of, like I said, disappointed that Macisos lost, but I'm excited to see what the future holds for those two, maybe as singles competitors. And I'm excited to see the Motor City Machine Guns and East West Express get their match at the collective. And I, I'll i be there. So selfishly, I'm really hoping this is the night I get to see Jordan and Nick win because uh, being able to see it in person would be pretty awesome. Oh, hell yeah. Um. Okay, so given how the title changes in GCW are rare and how title reigns are generally longer, I am excited to see this this reign to see what they do with it because I know that they are they're going to make us proud. That's a good way to put it. And go ahead and find a team that'll go up against the Motor City Machine Guns that doesn't sound like a good match. They're one of those teams where they just instantly elevate it that I want to see it since their names are on the card. But um, with this match, just a little too little too soon, especially since it's a title match with a... Uh, I'll just go to the numbers. Los Macisos previously held the titles in their first run at GCW for 1,162 days. That's over three years. How often do you hear any team, especially in the independence actually having a three-year run as a champion of any kind half the time the only time people are doing a run like that is because they have no choice but macisos are quality the run that they're on now that they just lost started on july 29th of last year so they were closing in on eight months on this one and i don't know if you really had a chance to see but if you watch at the very end of the match once it's over they're shaking hands and you see Miedo leave, you're going to see him look at the camera and be like, and just kind of like wave, wave is like kind of hold his hand out, like see you later kind of thing. So I don't know what the circumstances are, but the circumstances weren't uh, such as to give us that normal GCW style title defense. Yeah, I I didn't catch that whole Miedo one. I'm definitely going to try to watch that uh, when it pops yeah, up yeah. here. You, it's just when he's leaving the ring, you'll see him kind of almost come back in for a second and he'll kind of raise his hand. He'll look at the camera and kind of do like a goodbye thing. Yeah, I I like I said, I'm thinking about it, having time to kind of just sit there and take everything in from the Los Macisos tag title. And especially I'm mostly going off of this one because uh, their very first one in GCW, I kind of don't count that because 
Well, I mean, I counted that they won, but it was also right during the pandemic, and they weren't really allowed to defend it uh, at all for GC for GCW. Once winning it, they had to defend defend it a lot out in uh, Mexico. But I I think they had a crazy run as tag team. Like I underappreciate I yeah. underappreciated it. Like me specifically, because as it's happening, I'm like that's that's cool. All these different teams, all these different matchups. But just thinking about literally the scale of opponents that they've wrestled and had, I don't think we've had one bad match. Like, I wouldn't even uh-uh. consider this one a bad match. It was just short, shorter than expected, but it was still a good match. And um, yeah, I hope that is uh, not a goodbye way from Yedo, but maybe a goodbye and see you come. We're coming back as singles. It is. It is. Yeah. I think, I think at some point they said they were coming back also. And they've gone through so much. Like, Mado's been hurt for fuck now since October, at the least. Whole and time. Still, at least October, yeah. And he's had that yeah. arm in a sling. So they definitely have earned the time to kind of take a little break if that's. And I, I think I've said that before. I wouldn't mind seeing them lose the belts, kind of take a little break, and then right around now coming up, horribly during the summer with all the deathmatch NGI and TOS that uh, GCW is going to do, maybe come in 100% healthy and. Go it ready to dive back into the deathmatch scene and show GCW what they could do as singles competitors in G- uh, uh, in deathmatch wrestling. And I think they could be fighting the Nick Gages of the world for the titles and the arenas for uh, the ultraviolet title. I do like what they can provide as singles competitors. And Alex Shelley and Saban, they look like they haven't skipped a beat. It's just so crazy how no. they... Alex Shelley and Veda Scott said this on a later uh, one of these later later shows, but it's just Alex Shelley has had so many great tag teams and how he fits in every single time he wrestles with one of those old old uh, tag team partners. How they just they act like they there's been no time away and they're just fresh as can be and still on top of their game. I think that just shows what incredible talents Alex Shelley and Saban are. I also left wondering though. Is they're not going to have any title defense other than if they get past Jordan and Nick. I don't know if they're going to get past Jordan and Nick because of. Uh-huh. I was looking it up. This was Saban's technically first GCW appearance. Like he's wrestled for JCW for back before. Oh, really? It was the old JCW against Joey Janela. I think it was a couple times I looked up, but this was his actual like GCW GCW official debut. And um, unless he's going to start working it, then I'm all for him. Promoting City Machine Guns go on a couple shows here and have a nice little title tag title run. But I realistically think that's going to be Jordan and Nick winning at the collective. Um. But that kind of makes you sad. A bittersweet again. Uh, yay, mm-hmm. they would, but now we're not going to see Motor City Machine Guns in a in a GCW ring. But I do think Saban and uh, Shelly definitely earned these titles. Like they're, I'm glad they got another uh, company's title, another promotions tag team title under their belts because they got quite a few of them all around independent wrestling and as a, they're independent wrestling tag team legends. And um, it was nice to see them in a GCW ring against out of all teams, Los Macisos. Like I always thought their first match yeah. would go against Jordan and Nick, a more traditional tag team, not a quote unquote death match tag team, but Los Macisos just continue to show how versatile they are in GCW wrestling. So what I'm going to say about this as a fan that makes me happy about this situation would be that I know GCW is going to treat their team with respect GCW is going to make sure they're taken care of behind the scenes. They're going to make sure that they have a quality title run without bullshit. And I think that's going to be a great thing for them in their career where they're at. We may see one of the best title runs 
from MCMG possibly coming up because of so much that they've learned over the years that they can apply into this run. So I really hope this is going to be a storyline-driven title run. The reason why I say this is that this title was poorly won in such a short fashion, that this is generally a bad way to start a title run. So they're going to need to have better matches than this one and longer matches than this one if they want the GCW fans on their side in the long term. So, you know, yeah, the match was too short and there really wasn't much of a story told in the ring. But I'm guessing, again, someone had to have an injury or a family issue. But um, I really am wishing Los Macisos the best when they come back. Um, And I think I'm just going to I'm waiting to see who Motor City Machine Guns are going to go up against. Because, again, I'll just say it again, only because I like to repeat myself tonight. Their title run is going to be defined by who they're up against, because just winning quickly like that did very little. Miedo, it looks like, will probably be coming back uh, hopefully soon and like to see him pick that title up. Like you were saying, you were kind of not giving them their full handshake this last time. Dude, I have their their um, outfits memorized. We got the black one. We got the cow interior, you know, and then I've got all the different musics that they have. I still can't memorize the music because it's all in Spanish. So. Uh, yeah, I went all in on these guys because I was wondering why you were like, oh, yeah, Los Macisos. I'm so happy I followed you on that one because that was such a good call for some quality wrestling. Yeah, and like they, I really think they stepped up against this match and had, had a nice, even though it was short, traditional tag team match yeah, against even these legends. Short. Yeah, I think it was a it was a good match. And um, I, I'm the same way. I would like to see the Motor City Machine Guns, unless they drop it right away to East West Express to kind of have a nice uh, story-driven kind of uh, tag title defenses in GCW. But um, that goes like I think Saban's working for Impact Wrestling as well. I'm not 1,000% sure on that one, but it was nice seeing them in a GCW ring. Nice to see them get the, the win, and um, we'll see what happens with the GCW tag titles. I'm not not disappointed anyway. Like you said, I'm just in a wait-and-see mode because usually I'll be disappointed for two hours, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's why they did it. It makes all sense in the world now, and uh, I ultimately end up bragging about how good their decision was ultimately and how bad my decision was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, though. The fans were pounding the ring. After this match, there was a lot of GCW chants. There was also a fuck that shit chant that was heard in the crowd. I would have been with them. I didn't feel satisfied with a match of this caliber. And in a perfect world, I would have dropped it at the collective to East West. I'm, I'm right there with you. But I can also see why the belts would be put on MCMG. So this could be a very successful run just waiting to happen. And... One side of me says that Motor City Machine Guns and East West may have a series coming up. That's what I was thinking of. That's why like, I didn't want to say too much of too much negative of why they won other than it's just being the short match. I do think that's a good, cool little story they could do too, too over the next couple uh, shows of the East West Express still not getting all the way there yet and still learning from the Motor City so, learning from the Motor City Machine Guns, and then ultimately, as they kind of promised, they said they would have a match in Detroit. I don't know if GCW is heading to Detroit in the near future. I was just looking, nothing yet. Nothing yet, but it would be... uh, I was in the same boat. (laughs) It would be fun to see them kind of drop it in Detroit to East-West Express as uh, I think they're a very similar tag team, and 
obviously just mm-hmm. a younger they could be viewed as a younger version of the motor city machine guns as well that will lead us into our fourth matchup of the evening as Masha Slamovich goes against the Duke John Wayne Murdoch. And uh, I was kind of surprised to see all the fuckery right after Drew or Drew Parker and John Wayne Murdoch's match the night before to just have John. I guess I shouldn't be surprised to have John Wayne Murdoch back in another death match less than 24 hours after <laughs> an incredible one that he had with Drew Parker. And I think the death match kind of what threw me off originally. I was like, oh, okay, so this is not going to be what I expected. I thought it was going to be a more traditional match with Masha and John Wayne, but we've seen Masha get uh, violent as well. And I was interested to see where they would go here because last time I think they kind of messed up John Wayne Murdoch. Like after he won the big the NGI, then his mm-hmm. next match right after winning NGI, he loses it, which was kind of weird and didn't make any sense to me at that time because he just won a big tournament and then loses his next match. I was wondering, are they going to give John Wayne Murdoch a loss after defeating Drew Parker? Or are they going to make or have Masha lose after she won the do or die rumble? I thought the booking was questionable, not questionable, but interesting because it just made it seem like I had no idea who's going to win. That's a good feeling to have as a wrestling fan. You don't know who's going to win. And uh, I had op- open mind to this match. And this was a fun death match. But once again, shorter than I expected. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, it was a good death match. So. Okay. So I'll run through what went on in there. And I'm going to give a couple opinions on this because uh, I can't hold back on this. So we had Masha is going to kill you chance from the crowd. 30 seconds in and Masha has hit Murdoch with three light tubes and gave him horns with some little sharp objects that no one knew what the name of them were. Minute number one, bundles of tubes were put under Murdoch's back. Masha goes to jump on Murdoch. He moves and she falls onto the tubes. Minute number two, there's a nice slap on Murdoch that was heard around the arena. She then throws a huge bundle of tubes at Murdoch on the outside of the ring. Minute three and Murdoch shoves a glass tube up Masha's ass. No shit. Masha hits an air raid crash into a huge pane of glass in the corner of the ring. Prezak mentioned 3D wrestling. I'd actually like to watch that. Would you like to watch hardcore 3D wrestling on TV? Like the glass looks like it's coming at you and shit. Like kind of like a VR headset? Fuck yeah. Well, either that or just 3D glasses, you know, like you see at a theater. No, because I already kind of duck and move enough as it is watching yeah. it as a fan. Um I did do like the triple uh, AAA. They had like a little thing on uh, VR. I did that. It was kind of cool. Like it felt, it really honestly felt like you were sitting in the seventh row watching the show and hell yeah, looking around and seeing it all happen right in front of you with the headset on. I thought that was a pretty cool thing that I would like to see uh, be expanded upon, especially in the wrestling universe of how like what kind of stuff that could be done for wrestling fans with VR headsets to put you in the action as like like the NBA puts you courtside and stuff like that. I think it'd be cool. Like. I thought it was cool that AAA is like even experimenting with that kind of stuff. And hopefully they kind of uh, work out the kinks and could, could do something incredible with it. Cause I could, I enjoyed it. It felt like I was at the AAA all show, like just, just looking around me. I get to see like everything going on. You don't get to see fans. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one thing, like when you turn and stuff, you don't get to see other fans. Cause I think they tried hiding it for whatever reason. Probably. Privacy. Exactly. And, but I thought it was pretty cool seeing the ring. Like I think the first name I saw was Jack Cartwheel. Like that was the first entrance and seeing it all happen. Huh. Like right in front of you was pretty cool, but 3d. No, I'm good. I, I already, like I said, I already yeah. jump as it is, <laughs> man. I want this shit coming right at me. I'll tell you what, I'm one of those people. I like to watch those videos where like 
someone tries to do something stupid and they get their ass handed to them by somebody or you know somebody tries to kick a dog and then they fall on their face and hurt themselves i love that shit when i see like videos where people are fighting i've noticed i'll actually tense up like i'll tense up watching the video because like uh, it's almost like i'm ready to be there and do something and it's kind of funny but yeah, I always thought it would kind of be interesting to have 3D wrestling. It would, I don't know, it would kind of be different. I know the WWE was working on some type of an experience VR-wise, and I know basketball's working on something that looks really good, like a courtside thing. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Like, it's, they Dude, put it on, like, your fan watching it courtside. I'm dead serious that it will happen in wrestling eventually, and I think that someone's going to make a lot of money because then they could give you the best seat in the house. And I'm surprised Triple A is the one that I saw first. Like maybe they're not the first to do it, but like when I just my son got a new uh, VR headset for Christmas, and one of the first things they did was like the VR experiences, and it had like wrestling Triple A. Like really, they're like the first wrestling experience that's on here, though. So right. That's a weird company to do for, but kudos to them for going out there and trying to do something innovative. Because I, I like I said, I enjoyed it. And I could see that kind of be in the future once they work everything all out and hone or hone the technology to exactly how they want it to be good point dude um okay so minute five let's go masha let's go duke chance murdoch throws glass in masha's face and there was a quick pin attempt for two so in the next spot i think it was prazak or emil said that they were noticing that the the panes in the corner the glass panes were kind of odd shaped so they were calling them like diamond and all this and i think he called them a parallelo pane which I thought it was kind of funny. That's almost <laughs> like a KGism. Like yeah, a right. Pain. And so they were laughing. P-A-I-N. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. The pain. <laughs> and uh, that's when I was laughing. Emil said four PW. The yeah, the parallel yeah, the parallel oh. pain, like the four four. You know how there's like three PW and all the other wrestling? It's like four or four. I don't know three PW. PW that's my bad. Parallel pain with the sorry, I can't help you. It's a wrestling company. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So minute six, Masha hits an assault driver on Murdoch. Masha throws him a little too well. He throws him too early, and he tries to still rotate. The glass doesn't break, cracks him in his whatever, and Masha covers for the win. I am the glass this time. So, yeah, this is not the first time. I'm not going to go too far into it, but, you know, our future possible world champion is still dropping people because she can't always carry them. Anyway... I love Murdoch, but it was a minimum. It was about as minimal as a death match goes. It was, you know, six and a half minutes. I'm happy it ended quickly. The cleanup honestly took longer than the match. That's that's what I want to say about it. Yeah, like you said, there's not much to say. It's a six and a half minute match. Um, it did have its fun spots. It kind of felt like what. Well, I think it was better executed when they did the UK, like that four way death match in seven minutes. We were like. We want more, but we just saw a shit ton. Like, they didn't have right, right. as many spots, obviously, there, because it's only a one-on-one match, not a fatal four-way. But I think for what the six minutes that were given, they did bring out a lot of fuckery. A lot of glass was broken. A lot of blood was uh, was drawn from the competitors. Um, but like I said, I was very interested to see who they would have win and who, who lost, because I, ju- I just don't understand, like, you just... I, but it makes sense. I, I actually like made this whole thing make sense. I, I wrote, I didn't like Masha beating John Wayne Murdoch just because John Wayne Murdoch pretty much got the torch pa- passed to him as being like the biggest thing. Well, not the biggest thing, mm-hmm. but like by Drew Parker of, hey, Deathmatch Wrestling, I would now give you the keys to it. Even though like 
John Wayne Murdoch has been killing it on his own out here and everything. Um, yeah. I just didn't see why he could beat Drew Parker, but then lose, as you said, to Masha. But I talked myself into a storyline booking wise. Hey, Masha's on a roll. And I'll be honest, she got bigger chance. I was expecting John Wayne Murdoch to have the bigger chance uh, yeah. in AC, but Masha has been killing it in AC with these death matches. That one that she had with Akira going against, I forgot who they went against, but there was bloodshed and tubes all over. Oh, those Macisos, I think it was. And they had a crazy uh, tag team title match then. And that Masha, that was like the night before Masha won the Rumble, I think it was. So she's over an AC and I just didn't think that she would be about 50 50 with John Wayne and she is. So that's a good sign of, as we're talking about her being possibly the next GCW world title that she does have the fans behind her, at least in, as I was saying, I think AC and LA are the perfect spots to see who's hot and who's not in these uh, yeah, GCW yeah. shows and who plays the heel better, who plays the face or who's getting the bigger reactions from being a face and heel. Um, so her beating John Wayne Murdoch, I talked myself into like, hey, John Wayne just had a brutal match the night before. Masha's coming in fresh. So that's why she won and keeps that momentum going towards her future title shot. I just don't think I would have done it right after John Wayne Murdoch would have beat Drew Parker. Like if this happened like two or three weeks afterwards, I'd be fine with it or because the the freshness of him winning, like just how when he won NGI and then the freshness of him winning that and losing the next matchup, but the storyline and booking doesn't make sense to me, but not my, not my job to, it's not your storyline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I just always go into my mind what makes sense, what not, but I actually talked myself into this making sense, even though, like I said, originally it didn't, it, I could see it happening, but if so, I think the same way as we, we were talking about the last match. If you're going to give Amasha a big victory over John Wayne Murdoch, who just beat one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world, I would like to see this kind of played out a little bit longer time-wise and get the crowd a little bit more behind Masha than just kind of keeping a straight 50-50 match. I would have done whatever I could to get Masha more over with the crowd heading into her big matchup going against Nick Gage. She's uh, not my style respectfully like well, you you've had that opinion since you've had that opinion since yes, we started yes we started talking about her and i've always thought yeah. i think she's unique and i do like her striking and her like not give a shit attitude not afraid of nobody and i think that's what makes me think of her a little bit as a more of a badass than let's say like a billy starks going against a john wayne murdoch or something like that so i, I just think that there is something out there with masha that is different from what we're seeing and just wrestling in general, not just women's wrestling, but I think her character. And I like her when she brings out the mask and the presentation. I think it's there's a spot out there for her. And I, I do like how they've been spotlighting the positives with Masha and especially getting the momentum behind her going into her championship match with Nick Gage. I think it was smart, but I just didn't understand her being John Wayne Murdoch this night. But it was still an enjoyable I match. I think it was just to build her as strong before the heavyweight or the, the, the world champion. Yeah, that's why I said that world makes champion, sense yeah. as well. Like why she would. Yeah, get I think, I think that was really why I think it was just, Hey, you know, but it plays into John Wayne Murdoch of just, Hey, she got him say. on a bad night. She got him, she got him recovering. He just had a brutal match the night before. And she was had more in the gas tank than John Wayne Murdoch. That's how I lo looked at it. Booking booking sense in my mind. Yeah, dude is like the Energizer Bunny. I think that's why he likes rabbits because he really <laughs> should have 
laid up for a day or so after that, and he just. Or if this wasn't a death match, what I was saying, he's constantly working his ass off. You're right. Yeah. If this wasn't a death match, and like maybe she brought out like one piece of fuckery to kind of get one over on John Wayne Murdoch, I'd have been fine with that too. Like I'm not like discrediting this one either. Just it was unexpected for me, but it also would have been unexpected of John Wayne Murdoch. Like I have my whole. If John Wayne Murdoch would have won, I'd been saying, well, why are you having him beat Masha when Masha's going into coming up one of the biggest matches of her career in GCW and you can't give Masha the loss there? So I had it, like I said, I just think it was a very weird matchup at the timing of this show. That's just kind of how I laid it out of my mind. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) I love Murdoch, man. That's my fucking dude. I think he's great. I think he really... um... What's a good word for it? If you would think about a death rat deathmatch wrestler that works his ass off, he's somebody in modern day that does that. Yeah, yeah I can't even think of anyone, yeah. to be honest, off the top of my head that just has done him and Draymond. Draymond, I too, think, yeah, are in that back. in that atmosphere that kind of you know, like that's that's how I feel like with Draymond. Even like I said, I don't know too much of him, but like his his prime, I feel like maybe that's what I'm watching in John Wayne Murdoch's prime right now is how Tremont was back yeah, then. Yeah. And like if so, yeah. then like I said, I gotta go back and watch Tremont's career because um You really do. I still want to see like John Wayne Murdoch go against Nick Gage, go against Tremont. Tremont, I think, still could have a nice could have could have a nice little title run with the the GCW title as well. Or maybe even the ultraviolet. Just even a in my little, head. In my head, I had Tremont possibly taking that title off a of gauge. Yeah. And then trying to say, and then trying to say, I'm taking that bitch back to H2O. Yeah. <laughs> my company. See, that's and a then people I'd like Mathers and others yep. would have come in to defend him. And we could have had a cross promotional situation. Right I'm all there. for that. That is a cool yeah. uh company versus company angle there. I definitely like the thought yeah. of that one. Yeah. yeah. Just something to, oh yeah, yeah. Again, I'm for hire. yeah for our fifth matchup of the evening it is a six person tag match as Maki Ido teams with Rina Yamashita oh I almost said it Yamashita and Veni going against Billy Starks, Janai Kai and Sawyer Wreck and I really liked the choice of the teams it's uh Seems apropos with Makito, Rena, and Venny, and then Billy Stark, Shania Kai, and Sawyer Wreck. That is just one crazy team that's all over the place. But um, this is six. This six-person tag match was fun. I actually did enjoy it. I didn't take too many notes on it, but it was just a fun matchup as they all did um, their parts to make this an entertaining match. And I know you said you uh, have a nice breakdown on this match too, so I'll let you kind of do all the heavy lifting on this one. Yeah, so I kind of had written this one out like a story. So I wanted to kind of basically tell that story and see if anyone maybe finds this easier um, to understand. I don't know. What I basically did here was I just went minute by minute. I gave the highlights. I'm hoping that this paints a better story of the of the match. So, again, like he was saying, it was a six-person tag. I'm not really sure who's face or heel yet, as both teams kind of have a mix of faces and heels. I don't know if anybody kind of noticed that. But you have Janai Kai and Soya Rec on there with Billy Starks. And you're looking at Rena Yamashita, who's usually a face. 
and Maki Ito, who's usually a face. And then you have uh, Venny, who I believe we're still trying to figure out if is more of a, if she's more of a face or a heel. But in the crowd, I saw a guy dressed as a medieval fighter with armor. I just want to say big shout out to you, dude. I'm on your wavelength in some terribly nerdy Dungeons and Dragons kind of way. Billy's team kind of seems happier. Maki's team looks and acts like they all got in a fight backstage. Rena does not seem cheery at all. If anyone watches the very beginning of the match before the bell is rang, you can see the girls on Maki's side trying to figure out who's going to go in the ring first. And you could literally see Rena look to the right like she's going to slap hands with Maki and Maki just ignores her and walks off and then does the same thing to Vinny and Vinny just completely ignores her and walks off. So if you have a chance, check that out, because I don't know if that's just heel shit and they're just trying not to all get along because they're all heels or I don't know. What's your opinion on that? Do you know, maybe like, was it played up or did they look like they weren't getting along really or, you know, I think they were kind of playing it up. Um, I was still like, as you said, I was trying to figure out trying to listen to the crowd who they were really cheering for it seemed like they're all got their own set of cheers and they're all yeah. faces but like even as the match played out i was still kind of the one thing that made me think that it was uh sawyer billy and janai kai was a heel because of sawyer kind of taunting maki Ito with the the height and stuff like that i thought maybe that was mm-hmm. a little heelish of her but benny and uh uh rena also did a lot of stuff that kind of blurred the lines of face or heel and like it's, i was talking yeah. last podcast rena i couldn't really tell if she was going into a whole dark character that's more of a heel or not so um yeah and she kind of played up the same way as this one so yeah i don't know who was really face or heel i am if i had to guess i would say billy janai and sawyer were the heels in this one yeah, and, and I was trying to figure that out, and I'm kind of with you. I think Rena possibly is dipping her toe in as a heel character, and as far as I'm seeing, it looks good. It looks like she almost does a little more black in the makeup or something, and her mannerisms and how she's a little more cocky and she's shitty with the fans and mocking them. I like it. Yeah, I think it may very well work for her. She's a feel-good character, though. I like it, too, but I think she's better yeah. right now as a full-blown face because the AC crowd is absolutely eating her up with how much she's getting over with that crowd. And I mean, uh-huh. she did have probably one of the more special moments in AC with that surprise victory over Alex Cologne and the crowd just erupting. So I think for the time being, she should still lean a little bit more towards... Uh, face but i do like seeing the practice of a darker rena yamashita oh yeah uh, i miss alex cologne i'll just say that to everybody who lives i know same, a lot of same. you probably dude okay okay so going back here we go so this is back to the storytelling so opening part of the match rena was in full heel mode she was completely overpowering billy into minute two, Janai and Venny eventually get in the ring together. We had Venny chance. I'm noticing Venny not only goes over, but really does sell well. If you watch how she works in the ring with other people, she makes all their offenses look so good. Minute three, Maki and Sawyer are in the ring. Maki flexes and offers a test of strength. Cannot obviously reach Sawyer's height. So Sawyer accepts the test, this test of strength and completely overpowers Maki. And we get Maki Ito chance. The, the crowd is really trying to get behind Maki here. So Maki tags Venny and jumps on her shoulders. She is now tall enough. Billy then gets tagged in and puts Sawyer on her shoulders, which honestly, that was pretty impressive. Both Sawyer and Maki are now the same height and they are fighting while Rena and Janai are kind of kneeling on the ground and cheering them on and acting like they're fighting too. So Maki eventually wins the exchange. 
Uh, Sawyer goes down. Everyone is basically fighting at the outside at minute five. Venny is sent through several rows of chairs, probably three or four rows into the back. Rena is choking out Janai, and Ito is eating Billy's hair. Finally, we get the split screen. It's happening. Okay, I think the reason why I like split screen is it's like Goldeneye, like N64 style Goldeneye. I think I like that kind of split that goes on there. I don't know another reason why. I like how they have the graphics too, like of the show outside of like the boxes and stuff like that. And yes, and that's something I noticed too. I was actually going to, I noticed it last night was the real night. I really was watching it. When you watch it on fight TV, like on the, I watch all my stuff mostly on the computer. And if it's not full screen, it's like the little window of like a normal browser window. And you got the video in the middle, but like everything on the outside is best. Like it was cool pictures of, the event so you got like the event theme mm-hmm. the feel the pictures of the different talent stuff i really like that as another little small production value and that could not even be that could be done by fight tv and not gcw themselves but i think it was i just noticed that last time. i thought that was pretty cool seeing like noticing like oh yeah each one there i noticed they are different but how really cool they all look and it, it depends like if i want to watch it full screen then i don't see it and it doesn't matter but if I'm not watching it full screen, it adds a nice little visual effect to make me uh, feel a little bit more into the show because it has a show name, the wrestlers all there. I did, I like that as a little, nice little uh, way that's not full screen. Once again, GCW, good fucking job in really putting effort into creating a better product for us to watch overall. And it worked. I, no better way to put it. All right, so snap back. Minute six. Team Maki start taunting Team Billy by teasing Triple Topes, and instead they're just dancing in the ring. It was actually a cute little thing. Minute seven was Maki getting beaten in the heel corner and getting ganged up on by all three heels, beaten extensively for several minutes. Minute nine, Maki gets her head bashed into a turnbuckle. This hulks up Maki into a fury. This is her typical, you know, she gets hit and she keeps it. Okay, so she hits a huge tornado DDT on Sawyer, then hits the Kakeshi. So that hard head finally did come into play at some point here. <clears throat> Venny in at minute 10 and does everything she can to rally back for the faces. Fights practically the entire team for a while by herself. Minute 11, Billy and Venny exchange strikes for a while. They knock each other's team outside and then they hit double backflips on each other's team. Minute 12, Rena comes in to fight Billy. We're getting Rena chance, and it gets a huge DDT on Billy with a kick out at two. Minute 13, both women are exchanging chops and strikes. Billy takes over with a triple German suplex for uh, for two. These are three different German suplexes. Minute 14, Janai is in versus Rena. Janai hits several kicks and covers for two. Rena asks for Janai to kick her in the back. Janai delivers a kick. She asks for another, a kick, another, and then another kick, and then a flurry of kicks from Janai. Rena kept asking for it, and she definitely got it. Minute 15, Rena and Maki double team to take out Kai for only two. Minute 16, all six women are in the ring, and heels have the faces circled in the ring. Heels are taking over. It's not looking good for the faces. Minute 17 and 18, Rena hits a heavy clothesline on Kai, then nails a big splash and goes for two. Billy breaks it up with a swanton. Maki hits a DDT on Billy. Sawyer hits a fallaway slam on Maki. Venny hits a standing shooting star press on Sawyer Wreck. And Rena and Kai are left alone. It was this huge flurry. I had to pause several times to get all the moves down. 
Lastly, though, Janai kicks Rena hard for two. Rena with a big headbutt then started that basically made Rena bleed. Death Valley driver by Rena. Rena then delivers a pile driver for two. She signals for Splash Mountain. She takes Janai up and down for the three. One, two, three. And our winners here was the team of Maki Ito, Rena Yamashita, and Veni. This was honestly one of the more solid women's matches I had seen in a long time. And I'm glad they, uh, we talked about time. They were given the time to show yeah. uh, show out on like uh, a couple matches prior. Um, and I, I'm glad they're with you. I, like I, think, I think it was a great uh, matchup. I really think Benny's becoming like, to me, like I enjoy watching them wrestle because they are like surprisingly every time they'll pull out some fluid moves or like I didn't expect them to do like, the big one here was like the, I think it was a moonsault or something out of the corner where she did like a backflip or a backflip into an arm drag, something like some luchador shit. And I was like, whoa, I did not expect to see that from Benny. And, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and I, I really think the experience level kind of played out in this match as well. You could kind of see Maki, Rena, and Benny a little bit more on the same page, but also you could, they showed their, uh, their experience in the ring, I think, throughout this match. And, I was kind of that during that whole chicken spot. I was really, I thought Sawyer Wreck was going to put Billy on her shoulders, but we, as you said, Billy right, kind of looked right. at Sawyer, which was surprising. And um, yeah, it, enter, entertaining, as you said. I know you have it, you know, it's an entertaining match. I, I thought this was fun. I didn't take too much notes on it because I was just watching everything and enjoying all the action going around because I didn't expect it to be as good as it was just based on, I thought I was expecting another short time match. I thought maybe they were saving a lot yeah, of time. Yeah for the setup of the cage because I was kind of scared of how long that would kind of take. And then I figured the cage match is going to get the bulk of the show or the bigger chunk of the ending of the show. So I thought maybe they were going to lean into another kind of short match, but I'm very glad they gave these uh, six, the six person tag match, a 19 minute match because they all, they all hit, they all play their parts and told, showed how unique each one is from each other. I really like the uniqueness of the, all the, the, the characters in this match from each each competitor i thought that was cool it's kind of seeing the very the different variants of uh styles yeah this is just one of those matches that we may talk about that shines for the year in women's wrestling in gcw that's probably the best way to look at it comfortably in the top 10 for the year comfortably in the top 10 top five probably for sure so yeah we'll see how the rest of the year goes but um on any given Sunday, if you told me that between the Jordan Oliver title match and the six-person match, which one got 19 minutes, you'd probably go for the Oliver match in this one. But honestly, the the time that was given and everything about, about this match was unconventional. And whoever had the vision to put that together uh, did a damn good job. And every single performer in that match did a damn good job. Going to go and echo with you here. I, the last things I'll say on this one is just it was extremely entertaining. Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing this kind of ran back with like maybe even different versions of tag teams or even a straight women's like the women's scramble. Put these all in a scramble, and I think that would be a fun scramble, one for one, uh, one against it, once against everyone else. I think that would be a cool matchup to see possibly in the future. That will lead us into our sixth matchup of the evening as it is for the JCW title, as Jordan Oliver, the champion, defends it against uh, 
Blake Christian. <laughs> and yeah, I was very, very worried going into this match. Obviously, I'm a big Jordan Oliver fan, and I did not want this title ring to end this soon. And especially of all people, not Blake Christian. As I character-wise have had issues with Blake Christian, even though I'm really liking this character, even though now it's starting to get way too annoying where I really hate him, which means he's really doing a great job. And <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. stand it. <laughs> but um, uh, I was excited. I was really hoping to see a classic match. I think these two could have another great feud, just like how I said with Jordan and Alec Price. I think they could have a great feud, and I really... Jordan and Blake have wrestled quite a few times and have had great matches every single time. And um, now with Jordan being the champion and kind of the way that Blake Christian's been lately, I was I was really scared Jordan was going to lose this uh, title this night. But um, I loved how the AC crowd was all behind Jordan and booed the shit out of Blake and um, kept that anti-Blake Christian <laughs> rhetoric going in AC and perfect for Jordan to keep on solidifying himself as a top end baby space for GCW as the JCW title holder. Wow. Um, okay. So I was surprised by the ending. I won't get there yet, but we will get there because I, I do see why you had concern here. Blake is a really good candidate for holding the belt and it's good to see him constantly in this champion chase atmosphere. I do like that also. And I'm also with you. I think he's a really good guy and his character does get under your skin. I enjoy it because I know that deep down the motherfuckers laughing at all the shit he's doing, you know, in, in the inside he's, he's enjoying that. And he's not even like, that's, I think that's what's pissing me off more right now is the fact that he's not even trying to do like, heel shit and he's still getting that big heel shit he's just doing like the easiest lowest hanging mm -hmm. fruit but it's absolutely working for him and he uh -huh. doesn't need to change it because it's working for him so damn good but yeah all the damn eye rolls and the suck gets 50 times a match i can't i, I it's getting on my nerves which is a good thing for he his rolled back on the sockets do you notice that what instead of After 30 to 25 you know what ever <laughs> since you mentioned it i i feel like i've started to watch it more and he's cut it back from like 60 to like probably <laughs> i'll be honest no. I, I did not notice it i still like now i just see one and i'm like oh, god damn it again like no, one no, equals no, 60 really. for it's, me it, it truly is a lot less maybe less than five this match or so like i don't look at it as annoying I look at it as annoying if it's over 10, 20, you know, like, but that's the point. Exactly. You know? That's so. why like, I can't hate on like, I'm not hating on him or anything. Nope, I was like, nope, it's, nope. it's uh, the reason I'm hating for him is the reason he wants me to hate him right now. And right. Uh, just another reason though, he's so damn good in the ring. Like he pulled off like a couple moves here. I haven't seen him do like he did a springboard like early on. He did a springboard like twisting plancha. Like he did like a 360 and off the springboard. I've never seen him hit that move before so he's just continually to show how good he is in the ring but when he withholds that from us that's where i think he's excelling at his character yeah you know okay so there is a spot in here that i really loved he hits a fly uh fosbury flop and the crowd's uh chance you still suck so they truly a hundred percent acknowledged that he's a badass motherfucker but he's still a dick and they don't like him <laughs> And I'm really glad that they did that because, like you said, like they know he's so damn good too, but they still got to boo the shit out of him because that's just how he is nowadays. So I'll go ahead and just explain something here that was really interesting. I don't know how many times I've heard this before. 
This match was a standard match, but I noticed they'd mentioned that there's a 60-minute time limit. Did you notice that? I've never heard of any time limit in GCW, and yeah, I did notice this one because I, I like this one. I heard 60-minute time limit. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh shit, is this match gonna go? Are we going? That's yeah, why I was like, oh, are we is that going one? long? Yep. I was like, are they making up for their short matches? Is that's why they were short matches to kind of give right. Blake and Jordan this cool thing and to kind of put the JCW title on a big spotlight on this card. I, that's why I honestly thought too. It was like, oh shit, him and... I mean, we just saw Jordan go almost 45 minutes with Tony Depp in a couple of months ago. So him going against Blake Christian for 60 minutes, I legit like perked up. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, what? 60 minutes? Like, okay, this is going to be a fun matchup now. Okay, so Blake was really loving that heel heat that we were talking about. Veda mentions how Blake used to be thrown off by fans' booze, and now he's embraced by it, or he embraces it. I'm with him. We've talked about that. We just haven't used those exact words in that exact way. But yeah, he was he was fish out of water a couple times with those booze, and then now he's just learned how to roll with it. I He just had to be submerged in it long enough, and he was going to sink or swim, and now he's swimming in it, so... Yeah, I thought that was a great great call by Vader. I just said that that was probably way better words than I've ever done over all the times I talked about this whole Blake Christian heel turn. I thought that was perfect where Blake Blake used to be rattled by it, and now he just embraces it and uses it as fuel during his matches. I love it. Good for him, too, because, again, we we think he's a very nice guy, and we want to see him succeed, and this is working. Blake shoots hard when the bell rings. Oliver was caught by surprise. Again, eventually, Oliver regains control as they fight to the outside. This is around the first minute or so of the match. Both men are putting on a faster pace match that's suitable for younger talents. We have Fuck You Blake chance. Um, again, Blake's heel work is more focused on in-ring action instead of wasting time playing to the crowd. This is a good upgrade from where he was even a month ago. It, um, it's not wasting time. I, I said it in here is wasting time, but that's really what it was. His stalling tactics are wasting time. It pissed people off, but now he's found a better balance. He, he took a lot of that back and, and, you know, it just, it, it makes a hell of a lot more sense. Oliver was getting beaten on thoroughly tonight. That was another reason why I was kind of concerned. It did not look good in the first couple minutes. Jordan turns things around by catching Blake on the top rope for a belly to belly suplex. These two are exciting to watch is what I had in my notes. Jordan Jordan goes for a clout cutter and he misses. Blake pushes the ref into the corner. And of course, the referee gets knocked out. Blake eventually gets in the ring with the chair and hits Jordan with it. And the referee happens to see it. So they signal to ring the bell and Jordan wins via DQ. So our winner was Jordan Oliver here and a chair's in the ring. So I have a feeling you know what's going to happen next, huh? Yes, and <laughs> I am so glad they called a disqualification. Like I, I don't remember the last time. Oh, okay. Actually, no. I'm about, well, I'm about to say it. JCW rules. That's why. Correct. And I was just about to say yeah. I don't remember seeing a DQ in GCW, but now I do actually remember. Uh, it was actually uh, Jacob Fatu actually grabbed like a. Uh, Oh, was it like a, not a hammer, but he grabbed like a pipe or something from the outside of the ring and they called it, he used it in the match, they called it DQ. And I remember they're like, why do they call it DQ? Like they leave, they let doors, tables and glass panes go, but a steel pipe is no good. And I remember being caught off guard then. I was like, why do they call it DQ? That didn't make any sense. You ever played the game Clue? Yeah. You can kill a man with a lead pipe. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe that's why. Not only that, not only that, but maybe it was because the pipe was lead. They didn't want anybody getting poisoning. 
You got to think about these things, B. You really got to think about these things. Do you see a table or a chair in Clue that could kill a man? No. You see a gun. see a fucking pipe. You see a wrench. You ever see a fucking wrench in GCW? No. You know why? Because it's fucking illegal, bro. If it's in Clue, you can't use it. That's, that'd be oh, wait, 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 wait. We've seen a knife. Allie's broken the rules. Oh, yeah, true. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, I'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, I was I was actually kind of excited, and, I, and I'm glad it was to fucking Blake Christian because then it just elevates his. He's like, "What? You really disqualified me? Fine, I'm going to turn the heel up even more." And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I once again I was shocked when they did it because like, really, another only eight minute match. Like uh, this was going so good. Like let it kind of play out. But I'm glad Jordan gets to keep the belt. Luckily, um, but it was kind of nice to. St- Nice to see a little bit of rules finally being applied to this JCW. Like, I've said it since this belt came. I don't know. Like, I was really shocked the first match was against Mancer and they let all that shit go. Because I thought that set the tone that this was going to be a typical GCW title where the rules are up to the referee's discretion. And there really is no set of rules. And um, I thought the JCW is going to be more traditional, which it kind of has been lately. But Mm -hmm. this... DQ was kind of perfect though. It kind of got more sympathy for Jordan. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. It makes gives uh, Jordan more sympathy with the crowd, gets more heat for Blake, while I think possibly leading to a feud down the line in the future because of this match with uh, no winner being involved and the history with Jordan and Nick Gage and Blake Christian kind of having his eyes set on Nick Gage as a future GCW World Title. So uh, I thought it played a lot of cool stuff. Uh, at this point, moment in the match. So here's what happened. Blake put Jordan's head in a chair and he gets ready to kick him. So he gets all reared up. He's getting ready to go. Akira comes in to interfere. So Blake looks at Akira. They start arguing. Masha comes in from behind and tries to choke out Blake. Blake eventually escapes from her and runs off. The crowds, fuck you, Blake. Fuck you, Blake. Then Gage's music hits. MDK comes from the crowd. He listens to it. He says, listen to this, Masha. Where's my fucking gang at? And the crowd goes nuts. He said, you're battling me and my gang. And he's going to beat the shit out of her in front of her whole family, which got a huge pop from the crowd. Masha grabs the mic and gets booed, says she's ready to fight right now. They get ready to fight and the refs and wrestlers get involved. They have a huge pull apart. They end up fighting a little bit, pulled back apart again. Masha and Akira eventually leave. Gage says he's smashing Masha to the fucking ground, and it's MDK all fucking day because I love you people and Gage out. Again, way too little time for these two. There was an easy 20 minutes between the both of them. I really do hope that this gets ran back later when the heel, uh, when the heel situation with Blake isn't what it is. Because everybody right now is losing to him and getting the shit kicked out of him and getting their face beat in while they're in a chair. I would like to see just standard Blake heel against standard Jordan Oliver and watch them really do their thing. Because every year as it goes by, they're just becoming more and more interesting to watch. Yeah, and I really loved Blake's uh, facial reactions once he got caught in the chokehold from Masha. Like, I thought that was perfect for his heel. Like, you kind of finally showed... A little crack in the armor there where he's like, oh shit, like, if I don't do everything to not get caught by Masha, all it takes is for me to get caught one time and now I'm screwed because Masha has the good, like, chokehold, the good uh, MMA holds that can choke you out or break a bone. So 
and Blake Christian running away too, I thought was like that was perfect. That's the chicken shit kind of heel stuff I want to see from Blake because I I really enjoyed him his facial reaction of being stunned that uh, Masha uh, came in and got him from behind. And I think Akira's playing a nice little supplemental role with this uh, stuff. Like he's letting Masha kind of do everything on her own, but also being there to when it's time to kind of defend his girl, he's right there to block shit from that. Like how he, when he blocked uh, Blake and, and Masha before, I, I really think Akira could play a nice supplemental role in this whole stuff going forward with Masha and Nick Gage and Blake Christian. I really think there's something there with Blake and Akira still. I just don't know how much farther they're going to push that line of, uh, going into the future. Yeah, Blake's going to whoop on him. You know how that goes. And, and it felt like classic Nick Gage, like the pro, that promo and him mm-hmm. getting right in her face and like, no, shut the fuck up. Like, you had your time in LA. This is my area. This is my town. It's my turn now. Like you hear that? That's this is my home home area, and I know he's defending against uh, Masha in New York, which is close enough to New New Jersey, where I'm going to assume that the he's got the mm-hmm. same love out there. And uh, I like how this did set up the main event for the New York show because other than Masha just coming out and challenging Nick Gage, saying I'm going to be the one that cha- like that beat your ass for the GCW title, uh, I, this got more momentum for that feud and. Nick, Nick Gage telling Akira, take care of your lady. I'm not going to say that because that was it. That one, I, that's where I was like, whoa, that's Nick Gage. Like, he ain't playing around. This shit's, this yeah. is, this is feeling old school Gage. I'm glad because then, like I said, I was really looking forward to this match after that interaction because it felt old school MDK classic, style. Yep. Classic Gage. All the way down to the fuck Canada chance later tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah. True. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's old school Gage. That's the pre internet pre-woke gauge that just says what's on his mind and honestly that's okay it's entertainment and it sets up masha as being like fear absolutely fearless because like she, her being having to be held back from going after gauge i thought was a pretty cool uh, visual even though you said it kind of was like akira's barely holding her back with one arm and how she's supposed to go against Nick Gage in a realistic wrestling setting. I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty cool though. Like kind of, kind of holding the, uh, remind me of like Pete Dunn or yeah, Pete Dunn in, in uh, WWE when he was that butch character. They like, he was just trying to run into the ring or fight anybody at any time. Like just feels like the rabid pit bull. And that's perfect for Masha's character and momentum going into the GCW world title match against the fucking King Nick Gage. And that's the kind of energy you're going to have to bring to dethrone the King. So, I'm going to go ahead and let you know that we had made an important milestone tonight and we didn't know until now, but we actually went through a Jordan Oliver match and talked about the opponent more than we talked about Jordan Oliver. Okay. So I get, I, then I got the next 10 minutes to talk about Jordan. Got it. So, um, no, just kidding. <laughs> actually, I, I was talking yeah, to my man. wife about it. Was like, and I know Jordan's uh, been the champion, but like, it feels like with everything going on storyline based in GCW, I feel like I, uh, it's been nice because like I don't, I'm not, I am not talking about Jordan as much as I would be, especially during this title run because of all the other cool shit that's going around in GCW, and that that's what it's really all about. You don't want just one big storyline, and then the rest of the shows just filler. Like it feels like every match or every other match on all these shows lately. There's a reason it's shit is happening and, and to keep on checking in in the future to find out what is happening. And that's a just awesome feeling lately. Yeah, it's just because it looks more professional. Again, like we said, when we asked for all this, it just provides more depth. 
it gives a lot of people something to sink their teeth into. And if they don't like one thing, then they'll like this. If they don't like this, then they'll like the next thing. And um, I think it's important because instead of just following the cult of the person, which can happen with people like Boyer Rack, you have to bring them forward and have a storyline of some sort. And who knows how she's going to do, but you know, a lot of her newness has worn off. So what's next? That's worth knowing. This is how some wrestlers can fall off without a storyline or they aren't in GCW as much and they come back every now and then. She's one of those people I think will have to start coming back every now and then because a lot of her newness is worn off unless there's a storyline that keeps this continuity to where it would make her and keep her interesting. And I think they're doing an excellent job with, as you said, they are doing an excellent job with all that stuff because, like mm-hmm. I said, I found myself more emotionally invested in almost every match than I was maybe four or five months ago because there wasn't that many stories were heading into the collective. I know it's storytelling time for all this stuff, and I just hope they really continue it after the collective because they could possibly not do it, not do as many storylines because they won't have as many shows to kind of fill and to get the fans invested to show up. But I think the turnout of the whole collective pretty much sold out all before a lot of these matches were even announced. So um, I just hope they keep that momentum going and keep on putting on yeah. crazy shows that get us emotionally invested because it's been a very, very fun ride, especially in 2023. They've had a lot of fun shows and a lot of fun stuff going on where I don't want to see it to end. I don't want to see it end. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm also noticing, and we're going a little bit ahead because by the time people have heard this, they know that Masha won the championship. I'm curious on um, on what really is going to happen at this collective because there were so many titles that were shaken up in such a short amount of time right before WrestleMania. That's yeah. that's that's awkward. Usually, the changes happen during WrestleMania or after gcw's wrestlemania it never happens before unless there's something big happening so i hope there is something very big happening here because right now going into this next weekend we got okay so i'm guessing mason and Allie wrapped up that leaves the storyline with who we've got the blake christian situation with whomever he comes in contact with which is somehow tied to masha and akira and then what else do we have storyline wise right now? Motor City Machine Guns defending. Well, against- just MC- MCMG just now coming into play is going to be real interesting. I'm sure and I hope that they give them some kind of a background to work with. I think Shelly's really good on the microphone. Oh, yeah. For, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, just <laughs> other than like kind of said up to where we are, not in our mm-hmm. reviews, but up to where we are with everything story storyline. Yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly what other big storylines are heading into it that could tell. Damn it, don't ruin this for me. <laughs> all the, all the no, storylines no, I'm excited not. for are pretty much yeah, after, up until this point uh, on March 21st, uh, either ending or have a lot of question marks that shouldn't possibly be there for fans. But it might make I it good. It. I'll tell you. Okay, booking. Here we go. Ready? Where the fuck is DDT on this on that show? Right before the collective. Why isn't DDT invading? Give me some fucking story before all these guys from DDT show up. It's DDT versus GCW. It's not just DDT and GCW versus. So why the hell didn't they show up? Also, it was nice that IWS showed up here, but I still would have loved the invasion to show up for DDT because the collective show is so much larger. Not going to lie. I'm just, you know, 
No, yeah, as we playing with someone else's toys. As as we'll get into it here in a little bit. Uh, yeah, the IWS. Uh, they did a nice crossover story heading into their shows in Canada, mm-hmm. where I think yeah, you could even double compound it and have DDT and IWS just totally take out GCW. Then now you got all the GCW originals and the fan favorites kind of scratching and clawing to get that momentum back and get the victory. And I think that'll just only get the crowd even behind them more at the collective shows going against all these other different companies. Yeah. That would have been a fun thing to kind of have happen with DDT. I'm big with um, different companies working with each other. I know it's just all wrestlers, but it really is fun when you have several companies working with each other. Um, there's some level of excitement to it. Just like having a tournament. It's still all just matches, but it, it, the storyline really makes it fun. It's just how it is. So I don't know how far we got off on all this, but um, yeah, I'm clueless as to where we're going into collective with a lot of this. Well, that's kind of nice. I'm, I'm hoping to hear. I, I just think there's no story because it's DDT. Yeah. I mean, they have had a couple. I haven't watched like the last two video packages, I think, with uh, Joey Janela and DDT. But um, I know when they first did it, I thought that was pretty cool of a way to announce that DDT was coming to Collective. And I got to watch these next two. Maybe they did set up something else between uh, what's going to happen at GCW versus DDT. But like I haven't seen the video. So now, now I've got a reason to go back and watch it just in case I'm uh, we're both missing something. Maybe heading into DDT that we don't know about. Right, right. And then the other thought about that is um, if there were videos, why didn't we see them on GCW? True. So we did see that DDT one originally. The first one, when they uh-huh. announced that they were coming to the collective, that was shown on uh, GC, one of the GCW shows. Yeah. And we don't obviously need storylines, but the addition of storylines has been so good. I'm surprised there may not be more going into the collective. Um, they kind of left the Allie Mason thing hanging towards the end of this. So... And again, there was no buildup even for that after a while. So, yeah, we'll talk about that further. This is why I don't watch ahead sometimes <laughs> because like that reason yeah. right there. I get too far ahead. Yeah. All right. No more spoilers. We'll, we'll, we'll continue on with Ransom and then we'll spoil yes. that later when we do our next two to two, uh, three hour podcast on it. <laughs> our Good game. Yes. That, we do got three more shows to catch up after this one and as of right now, it's tentatively planned to be done before the collective because obviously heading into collective, I won't have any time to record or do anything other than watch a shit ton of wrestling at the collective. So uh, uh, we'll do our best to catch up and I think we'll be able to be all caught up right before it. <clears throat> our seventh matchup of the evening is another GCW title match as it was for the extreme title with the champion Joey Janela defending it against Brandon Kirk. And nice to see Brandon Kirk back in GCW. I'm actually really surprised we haven't seen a little bit more of him, especially over, I want to say the last couple, like two years, I've been expecting to see a lot more Brandon Kirk in GCW, especially now with uh, Casey killing it, like how she did the other night. Maybe we will be seeing more of the Kirks in GCW. And I think that would also open a lot of doors for storylines with uh, them kind of being the power couple of everything. Um, the, this match, I was expecting a lot of fuckery, a lot of uh, typical Joey Janela, uh, ECW style match. I wanted to see if he would bust out a door again because of what happened at the previous uh, show with the door, and I absolutely did get a great door spot during this one. Um, and this did get a little bit even more uh, 
it did get crazy. I was expecting it to get a little bit more crazier than it did, but I think for the time given that these two had, which was about 14 minutes, it was a fun match. It just didn't get as crazy as I uh, was hoping it would be. But it was a fun match, a nice little way to get Brandon Kirk back into GCW uh, fans' eyes as well. Okay, so I'm going to try to throw something out there before we start too much here. What about Kirk versus Manser? I'd love to see those two go That makes sense, and, yeah. And then um, Murdoch, Kirk and Murdoch, because of that whole Southern thing, I think they would really go well against each other in the long run. So same thing when it comes to inter-company uh, things. The Kirks and ICW NHB, I'd like to see them bring a couple of people over for some deathmatch shit. ICW versus GCW deathmatch tournament. Yeah, that's why that's, that's asking a lot. That that's kind of where I was about to go when you said um John Wayne Murdoch with Brandon Kirk. I'm like, I think they have quite a bit of history yeah, outside yeah, of GCW, not I really want to in see GCW. It yeah. In yeah, exactly. in GCW because what they did what they have done together has been pretty damn good. Yeah, I would, that's a matchup I definitely would like to see in GCW as well. So Old Kirk, he was out the fantasy by Mariah Carey. I always like that for someone that looks looks like a tough guy like him. Uh, Joey still don't have the fucking belt, and the fans let him know it. We have Brandon Kirk chants from the crowd. The match begins with Joey um, mooning the crowd, and the TV catches a very brown ass crack. And the chants start chanting over here, which I thought was very creative. Uh, they book an incredible exchange between the both of them between minutes one and two. If you've ever seen a good looking dance in wrestling, they really did put a nice one together and, um, checking out would be really nice because it's not so often that two men will go behind the scenes and put together what Kirk and Joey did that night. Minute two, Joey goes outside, grabs door and puts it in the ring. Joey almost was hit with the door. Joey says, fuck you door. Janela was plagued by doors again, so we had a fuck that door chant from the crowd. Kirk and Janela are both struggling with it. They both agree to go through the door. So Joey eventually, they they break it, but uh, Joey grabs the door and throws it at Kirk. Kirk, gra- Kirk grabs some of the door and throws it at Janela. They go back and forth, and we have a door, my, a door fight for about three minutes. Minute five, Joey goes outside again and finds a chair. He sets it up, goes to throw Kirk on it, misses, and Joey folds up the chair and hits him in the back with it. Minute six, both exchange chops outside the ring. Minute seven, a shopping cart ran into Kirk, and uh, Kirk was put into the cart, and it falls over. Joey eventually puts Kirk back in the cart and goes shopping with him, quote-unquote. Kirk ran into the ring post, and it looked like it hurt just a little. Joey then runs him into a load of chairs through general admission and into a wall, then push through another side of the arena through all rows of chairs and into general admission. They make it back to the ring at about minute nine. Minute 10, Joey grabs a door, a regular chair, and a streamer covered chair, which makes it magical. A door bridge was made with very flimsy door and uh, Joey superplex on Kirk through the door. Minute 11, Joey covers for two and fails. Set well, he covered for three and got two and failed. But he set up three chairs. Kirk hits the psycho driver onto all the chairs. Minute 13, Joey launches a chair at Kirk, puts Kirk on top on the top rope. Joey goes for a razor's, razor's edge from the top rope for three. And that would be our ending. Our winner, Joey Janela in this match. And that was almost a 14-minute match. Not bad. And um, every Joey match, man, creative. Enjoyable and creative. Yeah, I really like the the table so at the beginning. Because, like, you could tell they obviously half-assed, like, 
Kirk barely threw Joey into the door, didn't crack. Same thing, yeah. Joey barely threw Brandon Kirk, it didn't budge. And then, like, I like how Brandon Kirk just looked at Joey. They're like, yeah, you know what? Fuck that door. And then they just they kind of <laughs> held each other's arms and went through it together. I thought that was that was a fun little joke off of what happened the night before because, yeah, those doors weren't budging at all. No. Uh, but as you said, I think this was, like, I didn't get as crazy as I thought. I wanted a little bit more uh, violence because of I've been deprived of it over the last few shows heading into this AC weekend. But this was a nice way to reintroduce, I think, Brandon Kirk back into some of the GCW uh, eyes because I don't know when the last time we saw him other than the Settlement series, um, which, as we kind of counted, those weren't really GCW shows. Um, but he, I never, I'm always entertained with Brandon Kirk. I never really have... Or see like a bad match that's not entertaining. Like it might not be the best in ring work, might not be the most violent, but I really like his facial reactions. And as you said, how he comes out to the Mariah Carey, he's just like he's a different character. Where I think no matter what the situation calls for, he's going to get himself and the situation over because I think he has that kind of charisma um, with himself. And I think I'm really kind of hoping to see him and Casey do some more stuff in GCW uh, together, even not even just separately, but even together. Um, as a tag team, because I think there's a lot of stuff that could be done there. Traditional wrestling or as Casey and Brandon like to get ultraviolet sometimes. Fuck. Yeah. We need him for intergender uh, matches alone, but hardcore is a whole other situation. On top of that, we just lost Los Macizos. We could use another team. That's the way I'm looking at it. We're one team down as of tonight. Yeah, that's like a so, death match team, too. Oh, a good deathmatch versatile team where, again, both men could fight individually and don't need any, don't need the other necessarily sometimes. So I don't know if you noticed, but at the end of this, Joey had a slice in his hand and he was using it to talk out of it like a puppet. Did you see that shit? No, I didn't. Yeah. I saw him like favor in his hand. Or I thought it was like his wrist and stuff. But then later on, as the match went on, I saw like the blood coming from his hand, but I didn't see like how uh -huh. deep the cut was. So I missed, I totally yeah. missed that part. At the end of the match, he goes over to the camera and it's a slice that you could stick about a quarter in and oh, he's shit. opening the slice up and talking with it like a puppet. Oh, wow. I did not see that at all. <clears throat> yeah, totally, Joey. Um, I wrote in my notes here. Kirk really did a great job out there. Not going to lie. He really did. I loved watching them fight with the door and using the shopping cart. That's really my highlights of this one. And I'm with you, hoping a dream. We get more of the Kirks in GCW. Yeah, I think they bring a lot of charismatic uh, personality to the to the proceedings in GCW. For our eighth matchup of the evening, it is a four-way tag match as the team of the Bang Bros, August Matthews and Davey Bang, go against the Second Gear Crew. This time of Manders and Mance Warner. Going against Wasted Youth, Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers. Going against a team of Young, Dumb, and Broke of Charlie, Tiger, and Ellis Taylor. And I was expecting an SCC-style match with this, especially with these uh, four teams combined. I thought this was going to go all over the arena, typical SGC-style. And it did get that way. Uh, I really liked also the fun mixture of tag, tag teams. You got complete... Uh, stylistic differences all over the board between those four teams and i thought that made for a pretty uh intriguing matchup and it absolutely was and 
yeah, this was a fun SGC matchup, and glad to see, as you said, the Golden Eye, the Golden Eye uh, four squares come up. I did like the <laughs> SGC uh, the banner come up again for the SGC split screen. Hell yeah! So I'm gonna just go ahead and say it up front: a lot of action happened in this match. I will not be able to give a play by play. I'll say it like I usually do for matches like these, especially when it's a four-way tag team. So much shit went on. I can't cover it all in words. You definitely want to see it yourself. This is almost 11 minutes of action. I recommend checking it out. Okay. So the one thing I really took from this before anything was there was a lot of youth in the ring. Bang bros are young. Wasted youth is young. Young, dumb and broke are young. Um, Manders is relatively young. He doesn't look like a young guy, but he's relatively young. And then Mance, I'm guessing he's in his 30s. Don't don't quote me on that. I would feel horrible if I took him, you know, for older than he really was. But I would put Mance at 32, 30. What do you think? I'll, I'll wait for a second. I actually, I, I actually feel Mance is a little bit older just because of the way he talks about his love for GCW. Or, uh, well, yeah, GCW, yeah, yeah. WCW and the old school wrestling stuff. Uh, I'm looking at. Oh, really? Mance. So you're putting him at what? 36? I wasn't going to put him like closer to 40, but uh, Mance is 34. Okay, okay, okay. And Manders and then, uh, is, I would, Manders. I didn't look at, I clicked it, but I didn't look. I was, Manders, I could I'd see maybe in, like 32, 30. 30 is a good number. I like it. What's your in guess, between 30? early. Uh, oh, you know what? Just just for fun, I'm putting him at 29 just to be a prick and put him in the 20s. Well, yeah. you are a fucking prick because he is 29 years old. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. It's enough cage match. I, like I said, uh, you saw my hands. You yeah. saw my hands. I you saw my eyes. I clicked yeah. it and I turned away. I'm like, wait, no, Mansus. <laughs> yeah, Mansus feels a little bit. They both yeah. feel a little bit older, but uh, that's just all the beers and fighting from Mans Warner, probably. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I come from the country, so sometimes you'll see a lot of you'll see young guys with the mustache like him. Look a lot older. You see it on him. Yeah, they look older, but you can see the the face up in the cheeks and stuff. He's still kind of young. Damn, that's I in line. The Manders number is probably more shocking than Mance being thirty four. Mance Warner's not. Yeah. Or Manders not even thirty yet. That's insane. I'm, that makes me happy though. That means hopefully he's got a nice, still bright future coming up in wrestling at oh, a relatively young age. Not as young as Nick Wayne, but uh, still at twenty nine years old and putting on fun matches and. Like I said, every time I see Manders, I become more and more impressed with him. I not just off of the wrestling, but I think he's feeling a comfort level of his character and what he's mm-hmm. actually the the confidence is ex- exuding from him in my eyes, and I I think that's coming out with his um with these matches, and he's having a little bit uh better matches in recent uh events than I think previously, and I I just always now after that one incident. That they had, uh, I forgot even what the the wrestler was that said something questionable, and uh, and he stepped right up and took the mic from him and kind of took control of the situation when it could have got even worse and out of hand. I thought that was uh, incredible leadership by Manders, and now that I see that he's only twenty nine, like that's that's incredible to step up at that age because at that age, especially in wrestling, you still are kind of like a if depending on what locker room yeah. you're in, you're still kind of a young pup, unfortunately, and still got to pay your dues to kind of step up and take control of a situation like a veteran would. But I'm really glad that he did because I could, that just showed so much leadership. And I think GCW has been very good at rewarding him since uh, that incident and putting him in these uh, predominant matches. So let's hear a little bit about this wonderful match we have here, because it looks like it's Mance Warner playing with a lot of kids. Oh, 
No, I mean, that's a good way to put it, though, if you think about it, because I think most everyone else here are in their 20s. Yeah, like I said, like, after seeing those that. numbers now, it's like, I wonder how old... Uh, and now, now I want to look up the, the ages of the... No, go ahead. I can do that. Uh, I can do the rest of this rundown here while you check it out real quick. No biggie. Sounds good. Yeah, man. Okay. Um. All right. So SGC was out. Manders gets up on a chair and falls off. I don't know if you saw that or not. Yes, did you I see did. That? Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> Matt's, I was like, Matt's got a couple uh, too many cold ones before the match. Oh, God. You know, I love the guy. Both men grab chairs, enter the ring. The bell rings and it's a brawl. Goes outside almost immediately. <clears throat> Crowd chants, fuck him up, Mancer, fuck him up. Door comes out in the second minute of the match. Mance finds another sturdy door. Um, the ring is covered in doors and chairs at this point. Taylor put um, was put through a door in the corner. The Bang Bros put both members of SGC through a door. Both Bang Bros hit a tope and a backflip to the outside of the ring. Bang Bros chants were going on in the crowd. McKay with a beautiful twisting press on a bunch of guys below. Young, Dumb, and Broke were killing it in the ring for a few minutes, and that were basically their highlight moments. Dylan hit a Cabrana that looked really good. This match was made for a high-paced affair, which is obvious because also the age of the kids involved here. Mance takes the most super kicks I've ever seen a man take. It's kind of a cool thing to do. Again, I'm this old, but yeah, he was just eating super kicks. It was kind of fun. No selling it primarily. Mathers has been showing off in this match. He did a coast to coast and a 450. Then a few others ended up having 360s and 450s. There's been a lot of almost, it was almost scramble like quite a few times, is what I was kind of noticing in this match. Manders hits a nice running power slam on McKay through a door. And then, as this is going on, we have some people that like to, uh, like to interfere that's when we have a bunch of iws wrestlers invade the show and start to attack sgc who are you chants are coming from the crowd from what i could see there were at least four or more iws wrestlers that were in the building speedball gets between the mix this is his old company so he's calling off all the gcw guys he's trying to back off all the iws guys he feels like he's the in between in this which he he truly is speedball grabs a board and turns around and hits Jordan in the fucking back. A huge brawl breaks out. Gage's music eventually hits. Out comes the GCW locker room. IWS flees. People are booing them out of the building. They're saying, get the fuck out, Chance. GCW roster staring them down. They get ran out eventually by Gage and crew. It was a nice build to next week. Veda also was pressed on the microphone. She may have known something according to her commentary. I thought it was absolutely funny. She said she had the keys in her pocket so they can go out the back door if they needed to. Hilarious shit. Gage tells them to get those pussies out of his building. Gage then starts a fuck candidates chant and says he's bringing his gang with him and he's going to beat the shit out of them. Fuck Canada goes out amongst the crowd. All the performers in the ring have tightened buttholes when they don't want to be caught chanting fuck Canada on camera. So this ended up being a no contest, but for what it was, it served its purpose. It was a high energy and exciting matchup before this cage and main event was going to happen. So what, there was a lot of words there. What did you think? No, uh, as you said, the match exactly <laughs> you just laid out all the, the fun high spots that happened during this match. Um, 
And the IWS first, I was the same way. I was like, who are you? Like, who is this interfering? And then Veda, I thought that was a great call of having Veda on commentary for this to explain the backstory of Speedball, IWS, who IWS was, why they were there to obviously invade before the uh, GCW show when GCW invaded IWS uh, in the previous months. And I think they've been sending a couple like Effie and Mance Warner and uh, Joey Janela to IWS to do a couple shows outside of like the GCW show. So I thought that was kind of a cool way uh-huh. to lead up into this promotion versus promotion ri- rivalry. And yeah, Aveda not wanting to go heel on her husband while also being just like <laughs> not happy with his actions. I thought that plays a, uh, plays well into kind of what's going on with speedball as we said we don't know if speedball's face or heel i really loved how it seemed like jordan was the one who kind of stepped up as the leader of gcw and was like no like this is our company get the fuck out kind of thing and uh i loved it i loved all that the whole run-in the whole invasion angle uh and i want to see as you kind of hinted before and i forgot i even wrote this in my notes until just now i would love to see more gcw versus territories happen if it kind of has cool invasion angles and storylines to set up future shows like how this one did we've kind of seen uh gcw go against tnt we've seen them go against um I don't think they've ever gone against like Black Label Pro stuff, but we always see like wherever they go, some most of the shows, it's GCW versus Blank Territory. And I enjoy those shows because it introduces the fans to a lot more names, uh, local talent from the areas that they're from that we would have probably never seen of, or at least not at the moment. And it creates a level of excitement for the future shows. Like I was really looking forward to see what was going to happen at this uh, upcoming Quebec show. Uh, after this run-in because it set up like it's like they said they well i think the green phantom that one tag team and then yeah someone uh someone else other than bailey was oh sexy eddie was there um and i thought that was setting up possibly for a speedball jordan match at that show because of the whole leader like seemed like speedball was the leader of iws and jordan being the leader of gcw and they can play into the fact that that was the finals for the Jacob and Jordan kind of has the last one up on speedball and speedball once in a heelish way to get that victory back and possibly that title. I thought this was lead. I thought all this was leading to the Canada shows, but uh, the cars were end up being very different than what I just laid out. But that was my feeling going into it, but it made me more excited. Well, okay. So I'm going to move on here to this next spot because I want to go ahead and set up our main event here. We've got a video package that was played to catch everyone up on the Mason and Alley Catch drama. It was very well done. Thank you so damn much. My wife sat down with me and barely knew a damn thing except for what she saw at L.A. And it only took about a minute, minute and a half, maybe two. And she was completely caught up on what the hell was going on and invested in the main event. That's all it took was a video package to get everyone caught up. Whoever's spending the time to do these is doing a damn good job. And I know obviously it costs money, but one guy can make all the difference. And I'm thinking that's what's going on here. It's a team, but I have a feeling there's one, maybe two guys that are really driving all of these improvements. And yeah, kudos to them. Um, I do recommend camera holes cut in the cage. Steel cages can sometimes make you feel disconnected from the action. If you've ever been to a match, a live match with a steel cage, you do feel like you're truly on the outside. So as a fan, 
watching on TV, I would appreciate maybe some holes cut in the foot area somewhere where someone can't really get hurt or caught. And um, that allows for a clear picture then for people at home. Otherwise, um, I was looking forward to a fucking cage match for a main event. No one gets in and no one gets out. Well, I don't know. That's, I was going into this match. I'm like, hey, there was supposed to be no interference from Mason's mercenaries or Thrusty either. And that still ended up happening. So I was actually kind of scared going into this cage match. There would be a lot more interference uh, possibly from both camps going into this match. But as you said, our main event of the evening is a steel cage match as it is Alley Catch going against Charles Mason. The hope, the one match, hopefully, to end the feud as not hopefully, but the one I thought was going to end the feud and possibly did, as you said earlier. Um, this was violent, but this was a good one. I I felt more comfortable watching this match uh, with Ali Catch and Charles than I normally do with some of these Charles Mason matches because Ali Catch really held her own there. I said before, I really hope she brought out the knife, and sure shit, she brought out the knife during this match, and I was like. Thank you, because that's what you're going to need to do if you're by yourself against this lunatic Charles Mason. And the action was mostly just a pure brawl, literally a fight. It Nothing crazy, nothing great in-ring action, but the story that was told was amazing. I think for a, for a cage match and the way these two have gone, I was so... I was rooting for Alley Catch the entire time. Every time Mason got hit or got in trouble, I was... Praying to God, nothing, no shenanigans would happen to kind of save Mason. This was a match I wanted Mason to get everything and everything that has come his way during this whole feud. And pretty much I got almost the entire stuff. Um, and I just think the emotional investment in this match was great by both uh, competitors. Yeah, the way it was, which is a typical Mason match, the story played out in between the punches. This was more story than it was punches. And you're right, this wasn't technical this, technical that. It was like a street fight, damn near. That's the way that they fought with this level of hatred. And so it really did add a lot to the match versus just adding two people into, you know, putting two people in a cage and tell them to go at it. So thankful that we had a story to work with between those two. Secondly, those two are really working well together, and I do like that. I'm happy to see Allie engaged in a storyline because Allie was always just Effie's side saddle, kind of like, there comes Effie, Allie's always going to be there. Like At one time, I remember we were saying we could never get Effie alone without Allie being attached at the heel somewhere, which... It's nice to see her break off and do her own thing. It really has worked here. She's cut promos. She's bled. She's cried. She's done all of that. And there's been plenty of times where that line has been blurred so well with what they're doing that I've really enjoyed the drama. Yeah, it's been it's been very dramatic. I could say that's what's gotten me. I thought this feud should have been done two different times, but each time I thought it was done, they injected something else that got me more invested. And I like how it came back to really it being about Alley Catch and Mason, because that's mm-hmm. kind of the genesis of everything. Effie was just a piece of the puzzle. So was Dark Sheik. So is Pero. So is uh, Billy Dixon. And we'll find out all the other stuff uh, during this match. But I, yeah, for a storyline, this was top, top of the line for GCW heading into the collective We're heading into this show not really the collective but I thought this absolutely deserved to be the main event of the show because that's what as a fan I was most looking forward to seeing 
Mason get his ass kicked by Ali Hatch. So as a moment of so- uh, solidarity, Effie was accompanied uh, to or uh, Ali was accompanied to ring by Effie. Ali catch chance were all throughout the crowd. Pero, of course, is going to accompany Mason. Lots of middle fingers from the crowd. And it wasn't like Depp and middle fingers where we enjoy it. It was true. Fuck you. Middle fingers coming from the crowd. Um, a fan decided to be shitty with Mason and he pushes him. And a friend, I'm guessing, tried to say something to Mason and Pero legit just pushed him down like nothing. I thought thought it was funny. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't know if it was a plant, like not a GCW fan plant like us, but maybe like two wrestlers that, you know, look like kids. But so know, man, the first one that got pushed, I didn't get a good look at who Mason pushed, but I know who uh, the second person that Mason and Perro pushed. I, I want to believe that's the same guy that I heard actually on this last their last show they just did in Toronto at the mm-hmm. Opera House where he was sitting like front row with like a bunch of friends. And I think they actually said that he's like the one of Canada's or maybe the one of IWS's best, uh, best wrestling fans. Like it's kind of like how we're talking about pitch. Oh, that's cool. Gets a lot of the emotions and stuff like that. I think if I'm, I could be wrong, but he very much looked like that gentleman that was mentioned in Toronto as being a number one Canada, Canadian wrestling fan. So I, I think that was him. It's not a quote unquote plant, but, um, could be part of the show and stuff, but I thought I, it, it always adds a great visual because you just never know when Mason is blurring the lines or not. Like I said, Mason stood next to my wife, me and my son in LA, and I was like, "Don't you guys fucking move! Don't make eye contact! Don't do nothing!" <laughs> I seen him. I seen him do push this push people around and put cigars out on women's chests. Like I don't trust this fucker. So, uh, yeah, it's a good job of extending his character and uh, making him look even more like an asshole than uh, probably wow. what he really is, but. Yeah, I want to say it's the Canadian fan, but I'm not a thousand percent positive. But it looked cool. I good, eye, good eye, though. Yeah. I mean, if that's who it is, good eye. So Mason took his time getting into the ring like he had no stress whatsoever. Whereas when Ellie Allie first got into the ring, she came out. She was strictly business. She went straight to the corner. She looked ready. She looks like a boxer who's been standing back there and has just been waiting to fight in a closet for the last four hours. And they just let him out. So that's kind of what it was like. Also, referee Adam Galt was getting booze. I also didn't know he was a senior referee. So congratulations to Adam Galt for being a senior referee. I think that rotates and changes. I think I remember like Max Recon <laughs> was a senior. Actually, no, it's funny because you mentioned that. I think in the last on the Toronto show, uh, Scarlett Donovan was a referee from the main event. And I think I remember MLJ saying senior referee. And then I had the same thought. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought like last week or two weeks ago it was Adam Galt. Like what's going on uh, here? Like well, literally that re- like made me think about that. My thought is when they go back to the, uh, you know, when they go backstage and they look at the three or four refs that there, they go, well, you're 42. You're the senior. You know what I'm thinking? <laughs> maybe it's just the oldest guy in the back. The oldest uh, ref in the back is the senior. Could maybe. Be. I don't know. I couldn't imagine Scarlett being the senior referee. Uh, the only reason I would say yes is because I, I don't, I'm not even thinking of the senior. I I actually made this comment while watching the Toronto show to my family. I was like, she's like the best referee that GCW has, in my opinion. I think when it's Mm -hmm. time to call for like the referee spot to show some emotion, to add some more investment to the crowd, to either be comedy or like Titus Alexander always going after her. I think she does a very good job of, uh, 
extending the story in the ring when the time needs to. Like, the, and then I think of Effie versus Kikutaro in Japan, how they had yeah. a fun little spot with her. I think whatever the situation calls for her, she will do it. But I also think she the way the matches are run, there's never really any mess-ups or confusion. She always seems to have, even though the action is out of control, I think she has what's going on in the ring always in control. And I, I that's why I think maybe she is the quote-unquote senior referee in, in GCW. Well, I mean, either that or maybe whoever's been with the company the longest has seniority. That makes sense, um, too. Yeah, maybe there was a fist fight backstage and the winner is the senior. You never know. I mean, it could be arm wrestling. Adam Galt maybe Anything. wore those shirts and then they uh, made him like those re- basketball referee shorts that he has. I don't know if you ever seen oh, it on the backyard wrestling shows. Whenever they have the, the backyard wrestling shows, he busts out <laughs> pinstripe, pinstripe basketball shorts. And he's like, that's right. That. And I love that look. <laughs> didn't they call him? Didn't they have a name for him at the last backyard event? Uh, something. Oh, I can't remember like, what they called him. Two count Galt. I'm not completely. Something, something. No, Galt. they had a, yeah. they had a name for him. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll have to look remember, that up yeah. sometime. So Allie started by spitting water in Mason's face to begin the match. She started beating on him from there. She was definitely the the aggressor in the beginning of this. Allie catch chance were going out throughout the crowd as she dominated the first two minutes until Mason threw her into the side of the cage with a running power bomb. Mason then bounced Allie around the ring several times. He has a chance to leave the ring several times and win this, but he chooses not to so he could beat on Allie even more. Minute three, Allie's bleeding. She's got the Ric Flair pink hair. I don't have a better way to put it. Plus, it rhymed. Ric Flair pink hair. That uh, perfect description. Yeah. If you've ever watched it, well, yeah, anything from like the early 2000s, you know, through the early 70s was the pink hair from Ric Flair. That's, of course, most people know that's why he dyed his hair blonde was to make that you know, that red looked more visible. Dude, you didn't know that? I didn't know his hair was dyed blonde, to be honest with you. I thought he was just like natural blonde. No shit. No, no, he's a brunette, dude. So he, uh, a long time ago, I can't remember who it was, told him you need to dye your hair blonde so when you bleed, it looks worse. That makes sense. And then basically, yeah, because then sometimes he would bleed and he would wipe his head up like this and it would go in and you'd get the pink hair that they would always, so it would look horrible. Now, you know who else did that because of Flair? Sting. Sting did the blonde hair thing during surfer time and whatnot because of him. So this is kind of a thing that's been passed on. I just can't remember who told Flair. I'm trying to find a picture of Flair without yellow hair, but to me it looks natural, but I believe you because you know way more about that shit than I do. Because that makes yeah, absolutely he, perfect sense. Blonde. That's, I was explaining yeah. to my, my father-in-law, like I said, I watched this, half the show with my family and I was explaining to him like with the long hair, like kind of that's why the wrestlers sometimes have long hair to cover their mouths when they're calling out each other's spots or have each other in a hold planning out what's going to happen. The hair kind of covers what's being said and that's like kind of like one of those little wrestling tricks that uh, should have been shown on Beyond the Mat and stuff like that. Okay, so I'm going to send you a picture. And this is going to be Ric Flair's real hair color, okay? They're gonna fuck so just all give me right now, right? No, no, not at all. It's just what's going on is I'm sending you a picture of Ric Flair before he had the helicopter crash and got injured. Because I don't know if you knew this, but before that yeah. helicopter crash, he was a lot larger. Like just so like he was because, like a bodybuilder, right? Yeah, yeah, he was old school, large bodybuilding type. Then he fucked his back up because of the helicopter crash. And again, don't quote me 100% sometimes. 
But what happened from there was he switched up his style. He switched up absolutely everything and then went with the blonde hair and went with the woo from um, I'm trying to think of his name that he actually got that from. I almost wanted to say Freddie Blassie, but that's not it. Uh, Buddy, Buddy, uh, Buddy Richards, I think. Don't quote me on that either. Okay, so let me go to my desktop here and let me get this. Real You're going to ruin my wrestling childhood here with this Ric Flair stuff. Oh, it's fine. It's good for you. There's no way that's bleached. Yeah. Give me a second. That looks... Give me a second. His, his real hair is like my color brown. Okay. It's sending to you right now. Check it out on Twitter. All right. Okay. So while you're doing that, I'll go ahead and keep going back here. <clears throat> okay. So Allie got that pink hair. So we had broke ass bitch chance that was uh, people were yelling at Mason. Fuck him up, Allie. Fuck him up. Like the crowd's really into this. Minute five, Mason was delivering chops. Minute six, Mason chokes out Allie. Minute seven, Mason was being creepy. Allie sits up and is sick of his shit. She rallies back. Allie chants like crazy. I'm going to stop right there. What's going on? Get the fuck out of here, man. Yeah, that's him, dude. That's That's crazy. Okay, I'll tell you what. Go on Google and look up Ric Flair when he was young. That's Ric Flair. He got into an accident and he had to change up everything about what he was doing up to and including that. He had to lose all that weight because his body couldn't support that muscle mass anymore. That's insane. Yeah. That's like yeah, that the only picture him. too. Like when I typed in younger Ric Flair, that's the only picture that shows him with that. There aren't yeah, oh, there aren't a lot. Has. This one has But do you see has. do you see the nose and the and oh, the yeah, eyes that's and him. the mouth? Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. him. Yeah. Wow. I thought that was kind of cool to show you. I, you know? You've done ruin Ric Flair for me now. No, not at all. Flair ruined himself. Anyway, that's another story for another day. <laughs> anyway. Minute eight, Allie hits a destroyer. Minute nine, Allie's winning this fight at this point. She gets a two. Fans are chanting, that's a three. Mason spits on Allie. People hate that shit. Minute 10, Mason gets thrown into the walls of the cage. Minute 11, Mason is cut really good on his forehead. You can actually see him pouring blood. It's coming off of his nose really good. Minute 12, Mason takes over with a Death Valley driver. Both are bleeding heavy. Minute 13, Pero slid two pair of handcuffs in the ring. That's when we start getting an Effie chance because the crowd wants Effie to come out there, kick the shit out of Pero so he doesn't interfere with this match. Allie grabs the handcuffs from Mason and chained Mason to the steel cage. So minute 14, she cuffs the other arm and she grabs a knife. Mason kicks the knife out of Allie's hand. That was actually a really tense moment there for a minute because people were like, oh, shit, here it comes. Yep. Minute 15, Pero takes cutters and frees Mason from the cage. Pero climbs, uh, goes to climb the cage and out comes Effie with a chair. Effie and Pero fight to the back of the building, eventually out of the uh, sight of all the fans in the crowd. Minute 16, Allie pile driver for two on Mason. Allie goes for the escape. Minute 17, Mason climbs up on the top rope and, and holding onto the cage. They end up fighting each other. Mason bites her head and drives her head into the cage. Minute 18, Mason goes for a top rope elbow, and both are beaten up badly at this point. Minute 19, Mason is halfway over the top of the cage, and Allie grabs a hold of him. He's now completely over the top. She ends up pulling him back over and turns it into a superplex. GCW uh, fucking chants are like crazy. Billy Dixon comes out, and he unlocks the cage. And asks Allie to crawl through the door for the win. Allie starts crawling, crawling. She's almost to where the door is, to the entrance. And then he closes the door on her and kind of shakes his head. And Mason must have said or done something that kind of shook Billy. 
minute 21 mason versus the shirt because he can't get the fucking thing off um the handcuffs are on one of his wrists and it basically locked into his shirt the cuff on his shirt as he was trying to take it off he basically finally got that shirt off and got uh got uh free from there minute 22 at this point no one had really dominated the match that's something i really didn't mention until now normally we have someone dominate for four minutes here four minutes there maybe no this was truly back and forth someone would take over for two to three moves and then it flips right back to the other person it really was just a brawling style match whoever had the upper hand really was winning at that time for that moment until someone else threw the next punch and got the upper hand minute 23 Allie's getting choked out she eventually starts to rally back after a while uh, she's on the mat minute 24 mason hits a tilt a world tombstone goes for three and pulls her up at two he just wants to still punish her so he grabs the knife minute 25 Allie gets up takes the knife away from uh, mason and starts choking out mason we have tap chants from the crowd literally tap 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 Interestingly enough, um, Mason does tap. That's the end of our match. Our winner ended up being Alley Catch in this one. And that's where I'm going to say, I wonder if it's the end between these two. And if it is, I think this is a fitting ending. It was a fitting ending to the match. It was a fitting ending to the show. It was a feel-good uh, kind of ending. And I think it was a great way to go out um, for the night. Your thoughts, sir? Ditto. Like, literally, <laughs> no, as you said, I think that's a great way to end it. I think for the night to send the fans home happy from a crazy action weekend, action packed weekend that they had in AC, as they seem to always do. I thought that was a nice way to send the fans home happy. And as you said, hopefully, not hopefully, I don't want to say hopefully, like that. I'm hoping that's the end, but like, I think that is the end of this feud. I think this is, that's the reason why we have cage matches back in the day to, and feuds to have a crazy match right, like this. Right. So I thought this was great old school cage match. Uh, getting the crowd sympathy for Alley Catch, but more heat for Charles Mason. And he is a lunatic, man. He just he's, does whatever he can do for heat. And it just like how Blake it gets working. Out. <laughs> it's like a completely different kind of style that Blake Christian's doing. But it, this is working for Mason. Blake's working for Blake, and it's awesome to see because, as you said, we said before in the past that heels kind of make the faces and the throw go. Yeah, they make the faces that more easier to cheer, but also add so much more to the stories. And I think that's what kind of what centers around these shows is if you don't really have a good heat, you don't get the fans that invested, and that could ultimately hurt the show. And I think that's where Charles Mason and Ali catch absolutely delivered in the emotional value that they or emotional. Um, um, oh my God. Facial expressions that they had during this match. I thought it was awesome. And I'm actually, I'm not surprised, but I don't think I would have had Charles Mason tap, but I think that makes it that much more sweeter of a victory for Ali catch where he actually, you can't, uh, uh, well, you know what, if she would have knocked him out, he'd have been like, I didn't quit. And if she just would have exited the ring, he'd have been like, well, you just got lucky and left. I didn't really, you know, I didn't get covered. I didn't tap. I didn't lose. All it was was you climbed the cage quicker than me. This was, in my mind, I think the only way to really beat an individual completely. And possibly. I, I, I'm trying to think of any other way. And I think like that's that is a, the but she completely submitted that motherfucker, Colleen. And that makes it final. Like that there is no yeah, question. As yeah. you said, that's what I was leading up to. I thought that him tapping out was a perfect 
finality to this feud because that's Mason saying, okay, I'm done fucking with you. I'm done. Tap out. Now I'm gone to my next victim and I'm done with you. You're, you got, you won this, this one. I also like, he could always say like, look at all those months I tortured her. She got lucky one night, but yep, that's another feather in his cap as well. He could use it. And I think as, as you said, it's a perfect way to signify that the feud is over with and there's no, nothing that Charles Mason could say other than like what I said, like, Oh, I beat you all those times. But like, Alley catch has that card that says, Nope, I ultimately defeated you in our final match. We are done. You tapped. I have nothing more to prove to you. Leave me the hell alone as well. So that way I could go on to my way. So I think this was a perfect way to end the feud that I think is probably done, but we'll see what happens at the collective. Cause who knows with Mason, he'll find another victim. He kind of already, uh, I think he did find another victim. I think in one of these shows, if I'm not mistaken, he uh, kind of already has moved on. Yeah, this guy, he just he has problems with everybody. It's kind of funny, you know. I, I I'd like to see him fall in love, not you know fall, but actually fall in love with another wrestler and be like, we should team up together, bro. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> just yeah. Just first of all, he never talk like that. So I I think I that he don't have a West Coast talk to him like we do. I guess so that doesn't true. Yeah, yeah. ain't nobody gonna be a. Uh, Helping him out. Yeah, what's up, bro? <laughs> no, that ain't happening. But I think um, this was a great, great way to end this match. And like you said, it, I think Ali Catch definitely needed this after, as we said, it kind of seemed like she was, I don't want to say, like she wasn't the focal point of anything up until kind of like this match. Even like during this whole feud, she seemed to be a part of the middle way. But when Effie's go or when Mason has to go against Effie and it goes against Dark Sheik and Peril gets involved. I think it kind of took the spotlight a little bit off of Alley Catch, which I think hurt her a little bit during this feud. But after the LA show and after this match, she definitely took the spotlight back and made this all about her. And I think it was perfect timing to rebound, get some more momentum back. And I hopefully she uses this darker Alley Catch that she went into and kind of goes back to... I always enjoyed her little run. Uh, not I hate when I say little run stuff like that, but I I want to say that I really enjoyed her when she was pu- pulling out the knives on people and getting in people's faces and not the more serious and I'm gonna fuck you up, Alley Catch instead of the dancing. I am just here for a good time, Alley Catch. I like the, the serious more. My wife said that too. Yeah, I think it's a Cuban thing. Y'all like <laughs> knife violence and shit, don't you? Like, I, I don't. Bah, 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 bah. I I don't I don't like the play around like You're this taking that question seriously no well it just kind of goes into like my stuff like with sawyer wreck a little why? bit too yeah, like i i just don't there's i i prefer the like when you're have a badass like that behind you i'd like to see that your character be portrayed as the badass not the yes yeah. one that just wants to party and have fun and then when it's time to kick it into another gear you do so only when it's your backs up against the wall like no that's what kind of yeah, got yeah. you over with a lot of these fans and and stuff is your ruthlessness and your fearlessness against men like i just go over the other catch where she was fighting all these men in death matches and like her little feud with mance warner of getting the shit beat out of her by him and she finally like no i'm done my back's up against the wall now now i'm getting serious and that's when she busts out the knife on him and justice and all of them like i don't want to wait i don't want to <laughs> see like- the weeks of 
having fun and pushing your back up against the wall. I want to see your back off that wall and moving forward and being aggressive and staying right, one right. step ahead of the GCW roster to your competition and stuff like that. We're like that's where I think her and sorry Rex character, the meat and bones are in that. Now, like main event, they kind of got popular with the fun and games, the hula hoops, the the fun stuff where that's their gimmick where I think if they get got over, like it's like Stone Cold Steve Austin. You got yourself over being the Stone Cold Steve Austin and whooping everyone's ass. Don't trust anybody. And then, yes, he went to comedy like years later, but that's because he couldn't go in the ring. Alley Cats could still go in the ring. And when the time calls for it, have incredible matches when she's being the aggressor and being the I'm going to cut you alley catch and i think that's where i really enjoy her and Sawyer rex character when they're the more serious tough badasses that they ultimately are in the gcw roster okay so on alley what i kind of realized about a year ago was that Allie's basically a walking example that you need to be able to hang with the men if you're a woman in gcw i think that's one thing that i can say for sure that alley has proven over this time is that you can't just walk in and think that you're not going to have to face everyone. And it seemed like at least story-wise she's said no to no one. She has constantly accepted any battle that has come her way. So I would have to say, although sometimes I'm not always like, Oh, Hey, you know, she's the grit. No, but I will say, I have to accept that she's damn good at what she does. She has a following. I do enjoy what she does. I even notice when she gets new music, I think she, she did a damn good job here. And I hope she's really proud of her match. Her and Mason, I hope had a big hug backstage because I think what they put together was a really awesome story. That's my yeah. thoughts. And that's where I think the value of Charles Mason being that dastardly as a heel has been very productive to get Allie catch back on her way to, I, I, th- I kind of hope they use this as, a way to alley catch go back to that ass kicking way and i think that just like shows the value of charles mason where he kind of controls other wrestlers and his competitors of like what's going to be uh not happening but like dictating of where the feud's kind of going to go and maybe like he's does a very good job of getting the best i don't know how to say i'm i don't know how to word it but he does a very good job of getting the best out of his opponents character wise to get the crowd to rally behind them. I guess that's the best way to get the crowd of how, what, what they really want to cheer for Alley catch or what they really want to cheer with Effie and like the Everett Connors, the Charlie Evans soul story. Like those when all these people were probably the hottest when they were in these things with Charles Mason, because yep. Charles Mason just has this aura around him where the fans that want nothing to do with him coming out on top. They want all these other competitors and fan favorites to beat the shit out of Charles Mason. And I've, that's why I've seen like Charles, uh, Connor, Connor Everett, when uh, God, Everett Connors, when he was in GC, I really miss him too. I really, I want to, I, I miss saying like, let me the know and stuff like that. Yeah. I really miss that. No, that's Andrew Everett. Sorry. I'm thinking of Connor oh. Everett, Charlie Evans. Uh, oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Mr. Uh, let me know guy. But, um, I just think Charles Mason does a very good job of kind of helping the fans dictate, what they really want to see from whoever Charles Mason is going against. And it's been beneficial to Alley Cats, to Effie, to Charlie Evans, to uh, Everett Connor. God damn, I forgot his name again. Yeah. Everett Connor. I think it's just Charles Mason is so good and 
he does a great job elevating his opponents while elevating himself throughout the whole storyline as well. This loss will not hurt him at all. And I just hope this win elevates Ali Catch to a, another level. So how old is Charles Mason, do you think? Like uh, 26. That's a pretty good guy. Yeah, he's first... actually 29. He's a little older than oh. I thought. Wow. Yeah, right? Yeah. Hmm, that's good. He's, he's still young, he's, too, though. He's gonna... Exactly. He's He's got plenty of years ahead of him. His style, he's like a prepackaged um, wrestler. He comes with his own set of storylines at any time. He sticks to what the hell he's doing. You know what? Oh, here's what I wanted to do. I was going to go on cagematch.net and read you a couple of the comments from other people. They said, incredible commitment to character. We need more of that. Good in the ring, too. Excited to see um, how his GCW run goes. Another person said, I like this guy a lot. One of the few modern heels that wants to be a heel. He's not funny. He's not cool. He's utterly despised and hated, and I love that. Another one said he's the next MJF, probably. His heel work is amazing, and he's solid in ring. Seriously, he can become one of the biggest stars in wrestling. Just give him a bit of time. And the last person said he's a tremendous heel, and I really think he can become one of the biggest pieces of shit in the world. That's what I'm talking about, too. I'm right there with you. I think we're fortunate to have him. He will go higher up. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I... I've been enjoying his work a lot lately, and um, I'm glad that he's also makes <laughs> made Alley Catch look so good in defeat because it's not going to hurt him yeah. in the in the long run. And I, that's why I just think he's so valuable. Like I think that's where Cardona is still so valuable to GCW, putting in and elevating the younger talent um, while still drawing heat to himself. I don't know what else to say about that, man. I think you're 100 percent right on that. Good stuff. So that is it for GCW's Ransom, a overall fun show, not as ultraviolet and I think a little step down from Holy Smokes, but that Holy Smoke show was a very tough act to follow. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, I found myself saying Holy Smokes a lot during that whole show, which was apropos of the name. Um, But yeah, this was a fun night and uh, with the IWS uh, crew running in, it kind of set up for a fun weekend in montreal i think was their first stop and then heading into new york and then into toronto before they head to the collective at the end of march and i was now because of that running more interested into the iws versus gcw card than i normally would have been or and was at the time because i didn't know shit about iws and like some of those gcw versus whatever local promotion like if I, there's like zero names i know like very hard to keep my attention the entire time right with right. those shows so that. i'm very glad they did that running because like i said it got me more i actually did some research on um the guy the green phantom where i was like who's this guy in the mask and then they said his name and i was like looked him up a little bit and i was like oh that's pretty cool he does some stuff and i possibly seen him in other promotions where i didn't know huh. for sure so um yeah that was a fun night in gcw ac crowd once again i know we didn't say it nearly as much this time as we did last show but mm-hmm. I, th- I wrote in my notes, AC crowd killed it again, especially it was yes. right at the end of that, the when they were chanting GCW, when the IWS people ran in and then it was just GCW in the ring at the end of that uh, confrontation. I thought the AC, AC crowd once again stepped up and delivered and made the show more enjoyable uh, for us fans at home watching on Fight TV+. Plus. Well said, my man. Well said. Uh, you want to go into your memorable moments for GCW? Yeah, I normally have like 20, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I kept it concise. This show was a decent show, and um, I felt like we talked extensively about so many things. 
The two things I'm going to take from this, it was cool to see an angle with an invasion. So the IWS invasion, I do like that. I I don't want to see them all the time because I know it would kind of be like, oh, you know what? They're going to fight wh- whoever next week. I have a feeling they're going to run in at the end of the show. You know that I don't want that predictability, but I am a big fan of aggressive invasions. I like when somebody comes in and takes out one of our top guys and before anybody can defend him, some more of those invaders come in and it becomes a real brawl. I love those. Always have, always will. I hope we see more of them. That's one of the few parts of wrestling that I still feel like is real to me. I don't know why, but when there's a different set of three letters over one company, a different set of three letters over another, I know these guys are all friends, but for some reason it just feels good to see that rivalry. So the other thing I'll say here, my other memorable moment was really, we have new champs, Motor City Machine Guns over Los Macizos. It is not the last we will see of Macizos. And if they actually come out tomorrow and say it really is, I'm still in denial that it will be the last of Macizos. I've enjoyed them so much. We need them back as soon as possible. I don't mind them taking a break and healing up and taking care of themselves. They probably haven't even been home this year, period. They haven't. So yeah, other than the time him, they, they were there home. for like a day or two in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not fair. Yeah. Let them go home to where they're comfortable, eat the food they like, watch the shows they like, you know, be, be easy going. They've, they've earned it, man. They're fucking awesome. I think they're really enjoying it as well though, because they get to go to freaking Toronto, Montreal, Japan, yeah, yeah. UK. I don't think, I can't remember if they went to the UK trip or not, but I mean, you get to like, they get to travel. Like I like watching, uh, Miedo's uh, Twitter because he takes a lot of pictures and posts it like on stuff that he's been. So it's you can still see they're enjoying all the outside stuff for wrestling. The wrestling's not gotten uh, the better of them as of yet. But I'm really hoping for like TOS or NGI. They kind of like make a surprise return and kind of like you said, come back 100% healthy, rejuvenated because they've been busting their ass literally since their mm-hmm. return from GCW. I think they've been on almost every single show. So. Uh, I would like to see Los Macisos at 100% back as singles competitors wreaking havoc in the Ultras of Violent Division and the GCW World Title Division. Because Miedo's versus like his match against Speedball, like even though there was no fuckery, just showed how really good Miedo is as a singles competitor. And I know Ciclope has a little bit different style when he wrestles, but very entertaining and very good in the ring, just in a different way than Miedo is. And I think I would put Miedo for the World Title and Ciclope going having fucking crazy matches in the ultraviolet title or title scene in my, in my opinion. Damn, man. <laughs> uh, my, chance. my memorable moments. I got them just a couple ones too. I know I said it many times, but speedball versus Drew Parker has to happen on GCW at some point, because I was really looking forward to that match. Um, mm-hmm. Motor City machine guns, winning Los uh, beating Los Macisos. Surprising. I, and for it, I enjoyed the Los Macisos title run, and hopefully this means I get to see East West Express beat the Machine Guns for the tag titles in LA, because that's something I've been uh, kind of wishing for for a long time. Uh, Masha getting uh, momentum heading into her match and beating John Wayne Murdoch was a shocking, but good for her for getting the, the momentum behind her. That six, uh, six-person six tag match, Maki Ito, Rina, Veni, Billy Stark, Shanaikai, Story Rick. Fun, incredible match entertaining definitely would like to see that ran back as a straight scramble one versus all five of the competitors jordan versus blake just thank god jordan didn't lose like i said i was scared yeah yeah <laughs> and, and pretty cool seeing a dq in there and 
the main event too. Charles Mason tapping out to Alley Catch and Alley Catch uh, getting the ultimate victory over Charles Mason. And like I said, I think this is the end of the feud. And I want to see where Charles Mason. Well, we kind of got a heads up where Charles Mason's going uh, after the New York show. What's in his future and Ali Catch, I am interested to see what's coming up in her future as well in GCW after this victory over Charles Mason. Well, congratulations. You actually have more memorable moments than me. That's the first, that might be the first time ever. <laughs> oh yeah, I definitely think so. <laughs> yeah. I just, so like... I'm going to go, going to go back on something real quick. Uh, Ric Flair, it was Buddy Rogers. I don't understand. Oh, how yeah. I didn't know that name. So yeah, Buddy Rogers was the original nature boy because he was natural and, whatnot but he bleach blonde his hair same thing that's what flair eventually did and that's how that whole thing went down so there we go that's the tail end of that story and i felt like i had something else to say and now i can't remember what it was but you know that's probably it was so important you know (laughs) (laughs) um anyway though yeah i uh the only thing i wanted to mention because we're we're deep down and into all the hardcore fans um gc dub that podcast the podcast show that comes out with the monthly thing the fellow fans they just had their second show release so i mean if you're a fan by all means go over there and check them out they're pretty fun to listen to and like i said it's monthly so it's kind of nice to just go over there check out what they have to say they're entertaining in their way they have their things they do we have our things that we do uh we've offered our hand to them for anything that they need and vice versa for them to us so I just wanted to make sure I kind of mention them again, since again, they're just fellow fans and, uh, you know, go out there and just have a listen to them. It, it really is cool to put together a podcast of something you love and have people, you know, listen to it. We appreciate it. So we hope that others have the same success we did, uh, even though small, we're, we're killing it. Yeah, uh, I actually got to go check out their second episode. I forgot, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I so. forgot about that. I did see that on Twitter. <laughs> Like with these shows, I haven't been watching them live, so I turn like all off my. I don't go on Twitter at all, just to avoid spoilers. And uh, right. I did happen to miss that uh, a couple of days later after I saw um, that they did release uh, their second episode. So yeah, go check that out. And I will go do the same because I uh, yeah after their first one, it seemed interesting. I want to see what their perspectives are and everything going on with GCW. Oh, I've I've heard a couple. <laughs> You're gonna have fun, man. Mm-hmm. Because they they look at it differently than we do, and that's enjoyable. And that's yeah, I really that's like good. that. Like a different it's very perspective good. is always good. Yeah. So yeah, that's all I kind of really wanted to say was you know you support us if you have a chance, just go over there, give them a try, check them out. They have the same love we do. They're fans just like us, and we're giving them the same love that we hope that they would give us. We do this with most anybody. We feel like this world is big enough for all of us. So thank you so much for listening as always too. Y'all rock. Yes. Fucking love you all. Yes. Once again, all you guys out there, everyone, thank you for the 3,000 listens. Like I said, it was a big milestone for us. Uh, I didn't expect to even get to 30. So 3,000 is pretty crazy to even think about. Um, And that's with 50 episodes. That's pretty good, I think, from a word of mouth podcast. Like you said, we don't really have any bigger wrestling uh, networks out there, like journalistic or anything, uh, help pushing us. It's just our own. And yeah it's it's We've been had fun 45 episodes together this yes. will be 46 yes and then yeah we gotta have a 50 oh. party or something like that <laughs> for our 50 <laughs> <laughs> 
We'll get it. Oh we'll get our God. outro right for the first time. Oh shit! You know that. Ain't <laughs> uh, just real fast too. Like I'm reading like some of the the cage match comments on the show. That, that someone wrote like it did sound like Ciclope wasn't 100 percent going. Well, I mean, obviously that's a statement. But I wonder if like maybe one of his like he had a pretty bad injury that kind of made this. He match. was wearing a vest this time too. Maybe he had a rib injury. Maybe yeah. you know. Whatever it was, it was enough for them to say, okay, let's take a rest and go home. How the hell can, you know. And I think it's good time. For them. I think it's, I thought it was time for them to. No, Los Mestizos never die, motherfucker. No, time for them to pass off the tag <laughs> title run. I thought the tag yeah, title yeah, run didn't yeah. run its course, but I think it had a very good run where, like I said, I wanted to see the, de- I want to see the deathmatch versions of these two. And uh, hopefully we will see that down the line. All right. Our next yeah. episode will be out uh, hopefully at some other point this week. We will be covering GCW versus IWS and see where that invasion, invasion angle took us in Montreal. Um, that was actually a pretty fun show. I actually did enjoy that show a little bit as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we got New York, like I said, and then Toronto and then Collective is a little over a week away. Oh, my God. I can't. I'm so excited. Not excited, for, not excited to do 10 podcasts right afterwards, so that's going to be a fun one. Yeah. No. So we're staring, in the next week and a half, we're staring at 13 shows on the barrel of a gun. 13. Three full, at least four or five from the collective. Well, at least three or four from the collective that are full. Okay. You know what? Fuck it, because we're sitting here and we're talking and we're just recording anyway. Give me a second. All right. Let's just have some fun here real quick. Okay, so GCW's got... 10 shows. All right. So they start on the 30th. Okay. There's For the Culture, Bloodsport 9, Emo Fight. There's Spring Break. I want to cover Spring Break for sure in a full show. GCW versus DDT would probably be a full show. Uh, I just want to cover that just to talk about Eddie Kingston. <laughs> oh, I get that. Tim and Junakiyama. I can't believe they're in a match on GCW. So, like, just uh, we're just thinking out loud over the air. Sorry, guys. But um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking Janela Spring Break, GCW versus DDT, Gringo Locos World on Lucha are the three out of the ten that I know for sure I think would probably be worth covering in full. And then the rest, we'd have to figure out which ones you like to cover in full. And I, about say, I want to throw one in there. there right now for the culture. Which one? That, that card for, for oh, yeah? the culture is looking really good, yeah. Oh, and yeah, I'm yeah, loving yeah. how they're using Myron Reed. Uh, that's a name I've been... I don't think I've said a lot on the podcast, but that is one name I've Dude, he's fantastic to see in GCW. As fuck. Yep. He reminds me of Leo Rush to a degree. Yeah. It's just oh, it's he's just he it. he's got he's got yeah. I'd love to see those two meet up and kind of do something together because they're they're complementary. They're different. They're yeah, they're the same in different ways. I don't know how to say it, but yeah, they're the same in different ways. And oh, it has a little history deep. with Jordan with uh, the injustice uh, stuff going on too. And I think, really? yeah, I think they are actually putting, I think they were actually a tag team with Nick Wayne, Jordan and Myron Reed. I think it was like East West injustice or something like that. Like they are putting them mm-hmm. like as a little trios. I could be wrong. Maybe like they're putting Jordan back with Myron just for like a one night only thing. I don't know. I just know Myron Reed could add a lot to GCW and I'm looking forward to it because he is super talented and I'm, very glad to see him hopefully with GCW a little bit more often. He's like that next one. We're saying Alec Price. Hopefully he becomes a regular. Myron Reed for me is my next one. I want to see be- see become a regular. All right. Uh, um, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I feel good. I feel good. I haven't really seen. Um, maybe they haven't been announced as much as they should. But 
I haven't really seen like who's at emo fight that much or, you know, I've seen some announcements for Bloodsport. I don't but... think we're going to see anything. Well, I mean, I think we did see one more announcement. Weird. weird. Isn't are... it weird that we are really kind of blind on a lot of these? Lines? They sold out. I mean, why? They, there's no reason to. Oh, that it. Hey. Ah. Yeah. No, no. I need to know what to watch. I, I think as we get closer, especially these next two of weeks, course, they don't have course. to worry about anything other than that. They don't have like a show coming up on the weekend to kind of oh, take all their balls. No, yeah, I think we will see a lot more this week. And I'm actually very excited. Like I said, I forgot I had my notifications turned off from GCW because I did not watch this weekend's uh, show live. And then I just turned it back on right before we started the podcast. And I went back <laughs> and I missed actually a couple of things from GCW. So, uh, yeah, I'm very lo- much looking forward to what's coming up in the future, especially Collective Weekend. And uh, from the podcast, we're definitely going to have a lot to talk about for those two weeks yeah. from the Collective right before their next show. So so let me complain just for a second. And I hope we do something about this by maybe handling it in Las Vegas or somewhere. But we need, even if it's off-site, the fans will pay. Planet Death. Let's do what we can maybe next year or in the next whatever if we could please bring planet death back that was a big deal to a lot of people including me and a whole bunch of other fans part of the reason why we watch gcw is gcw is planet death so we kind of like that about gcw so um i'm always talking and complaining sometimes about something but i just want to say that was a big deal to a lot of fans i've heard it online so I'm just going to go ahead and say it with my little voice on my podcast with you. And, you know, you have your voice on your pod. What do you, I mean. Do you want man, me to give you the I'm, Brett answer? I just envisioned Brett. This yes. is his answer to you on that one. Oh, gosh. Okay, go for it. You just got Planet Death in September when we were in Japan. Check out Planet Death uh, in Japan yeah. on Fight TV uh, for $7.99 a month. Uh, and enjoy. Uh, that's diplomatic <laughs> no, answer. I'm just that's saying, true. I know that's, that's probably what he would say. I oh, I know yeah, you're saying, yeah. but we need it on Collective Weekend. I think that was a yeah. big staple of Collective. Like I said, my biggest show is always on a Collective. I always had four was Joey Janela's Spring Break, um, Bloodsport, For the Culture, and Planet Death was always like the ones last year. Those were like my four biggest shows I was really looking forward to because of everything that was on those cards. And for that whole weekend, I thought those were the four most exciting shows just on paper to get me invested, but I didn't go to Houston, but I know when they came out on the, the fight TV, that was a uh, uh, first shows I really watched to kind of catch up on the whole collective weekend. And yeah, for those of you that are still waffling on the fence for fight TV, even if you don't have it, you want to try GCW for one weekend, only seven 99, you're going to get 10 shows that covers every. Oh God, yeah, that's, that's the time to get it. Going yeah. to cover everything in the span of three days. You're going to get ten GCW produced shows, and I don't eight think bucks. You won't be disappointed. Fuck. You get ten shows, eight bucks in three days. So, if you're on the fence of hey, I don't know if I should try it or not. I don't even know. Maybe I should actually see if they still have like something where I could send use a special code or something where you could try out try it for free for a week or something like that. But definitely, it's worth the eight bucks. Give it a try. You'll see a lot of great action and you'll see a lot of variety where no matter what style of wrestling you're looking for and you're a fan of, you will absolutely absolutely see it during uh, the collective weekend. I could probably... Dude, uh, yeah. 80 cents a show. 80 cents a show. Yep. 80 cents a show. And that's just Dude, for that weekend. Then me. you could catch up for that one month after you pay the seven ninety nine. 
watch it, check out GCW, and then go back and you got their entire catalog for that f- next month to give it a try. Also, go check out Black Label Pro Wrestling. Go check out Wrestling Revolver Wrestling on Revolver. there. Like, there's so much out there for $7.99 a month on Fight TV Plus where I don't think you're being disappointed. So if you are, oh, no, no. if you are unsure, I suggest give it a one month trial starting uh, March 30th and check out all the fun stuff that GCW and a lot of other promotions have in store for you WrestleMania weekend. There's my plug. I should be seeing uh, some residuals be coming in soon. And yeah, that'll be. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Chew. <laughs> oh my God. Well, it's funny until it works. And then all of a sudden I'm making money. Not it works the pill, the money. Ah, anyway, oh. I've talked myself into a fucking hole. All right. Well, let's okay. dig out of this hole with a exodus and send the fans out like we always do. Hopefully correct this time. Correct, sir. We've got this. We're going to get it this time. It's only the 46th time in a row. <laughs> got this. All right. With a long, long live, live G-C. G. Long live GCW, baby. Peace. Peace. Peace.